Hey, welcome to the 300th episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is the podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Logan. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gman from heck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. I recently talked about John Burns, Fantastic Four from 1985. I might put a pause on that. I think I might do a movie this week. I want to do more Fantastic Four, but I feel like I've been doing it for so long. So we'll, we'll mix it up a little bit. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gmanfromheck, and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or eight. <laughs> no, that's not going to happen. Uh, it's ko heck. So as I mentioned, it's a 300th episode. I don't really have anything out of the ordinary ordinarily out of the ordinary planned although i do have to say i guess i will say i I thought about like maybe this should be a surprise or not but uh, no one will never know so the movie feature is a little mermaid it may not necessarily be the most typical random podcast from heck type of movie but it is a disney movie you know i have i saw aladdin the live action aladdin remake whatever it's pop culture i i i love disney movies i love the little mermaid and it's the only thing that opened last week. So we're going to do Little Mermaid. So the added bonus, what uh, kind of makes it kind of cool, at least especially for me and hopefully for you, especially for longtime listeners. So you, if, if you started listening to the random podcast from Heck, it used to be not just me. It used to be my daughter, Sky. As she got older, busy, schoolwork, social life, and, and so on, so on. She and, and and mainly it became a matter of time, like narrowing it down. I try to I don't record this at the same time or not. So trying to lock it down and everything, it was just too much. And she got better things to do. So we saw the movie this week, and then I I haven't actually listened. To, I've I've already recorded that. So as as I recorded, so uh, after in the mood in the car after we drew, I started recording it, and then until we got home. We finished it from there. So the audio might be a little, I, I think, I'm hoping it'll be fine. But the, the cool thing is we get to hear, not just from me, but from my daughter, who is a huge, you know, Little Mermaid fan. So it, it's a good way. You know, she started off the show with me and 300th episode. So there, there we go. So you get to hear about that. Other things that you'll hear about is uh, the Flash finale. So the fl- Flash is over. That's it. No more Flash until the movie. But then it's a different story. And then uh, we have Superman and Lois, another emotional episode. Um, we have a new show, American Born Chinese. So Disney Plus dropped all, I think there's 10 episodes. They dropped all episodes on May 24th. I'm only going to talk about two of them. And I'm, I'm going to try to do two each week. We'll see what I can manage. But that being said, I was hoping to do two episodes of Silo this week to try to catch up. I was going to do three and four. I only managed to watch three, and I could. It's it's just a matter of trying to record this, get it edited, get it ready to go. So boom, Sunday, it, it's there. Um, it was my birthday last week, so there was a little. You know, things got got a little little busy, change the schedule a little bit. You know, and, and um, also just things have been kind of crazy. School, 
there's still a couple weeks left, but just wrapping things up and just doing this and that. So I, I didn't get around to doing it as much as I, I wanted to. But, you know, like I said, I did manage to watch American born Chinese, at least the first two episodes. Thank goodness I got, I had copy or had access to the screeners and I didn't even realize it because I wouldn't have been able to watch it Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You know, I, there wouldn't have happened. So we have all that. And I don't know if I mentioned Citadel and everything, but let's get to the news. I, I will say, I can say that it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of news this week. So that's fine, I guess. Whatever. We'll see. Deadpool 3 has apparently started filming or production. So that's cool. Uh, I think it was uh, the Colossus act- actor that, that commented about that somewhere. That That's cool. Um, what's not cool, but it's unfortunate, Thunderbolts, the production has been delayed. It hasn't even started yet. I, I think it was supposed to start like in three weeks. But because of the writer strike and everything like that, so I don't know necessarily what that means. It, does that mean that the, the writing is still being worked on, being tweaked, or are they being like, you know, in solidarity, whatever? Because you know, a lot of people are just like stopping doing. They're saying, okay, we're on strike for this, and because who was it? There was someone who who got some flack because they weren't writing, but they were doing like they were producing or do, doing some other production, and people were calling them a hack, or, or not a hack. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, when you when you cross the picket line, <laughs> I'm totally drawing a, a blank on that scab. That's it. <laughs> but it wasn't a scab. You know, he wasn't writing. He was doing other stuff. But then he's like, "Fine, I won't do anything." So yeah. So it it could just be a matter of, hey, we're on strike, so we're going to shut everything down. And it it sucks, but I mean, you got to do what you got to do. So you know, good luck to hopefully everyone is happy and. You know, the, the, the wealth should be spread. Um, James Gunn said some stuff. There's a lot of, it seems there's always a lot of James Gunn in the news. We're probably going to get less, I have a feeling, as, as he focuses on, on certain things. He did comment, or I think someone asked, like, what do you have to have seen? What do you have to watch before you see the flash? And he's like, pretty much nothing. He's like, just, it helps if, if you're, if you know, Michael Keaton Batman exists. So some people were, were complaining. They're like, like, oh, you know, that you're just trying to wipe out everything. So you're saying, you know, all the stuff before doesn't matter. And, and he's like, no, that's not the case. He's like, I saw the movie with people who haven't seen any of the DC movies. And they, they totally understood and got what was going on. So he's basically saying that the movie, as it should, stands on its own. And he's like, I said the same thing about Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Because each movie kind of concludes and you can kind of go into the second one or go into the third one, and you have a good idea what's happening. You know, there might be little tidbits here or there, but with like Guardians Three, I don't think it really depended. You know, dealt with anything from Guardians Two. There's more stuff from like Endgame that, that dealt with it. So you have that. He also um, so what I, what I said about not seeing so much James Gunn in the news coming up. He said that he's cutting down and debunking rumors. It, it, it's something that he kind of enjoys doing. But he said on, on Twitter, he's like, I'm getting barrage with BS DC rumors this, this morning. I'll just reiterate the general rule not to believe anything unless it comes from me or Peter. But unless it's especially egregious, I'm going to slow down on calling poop out. He's like, sorry, I know it's one of my favorite traditions. There are three reasons for this. One, some people are making up lies to get attention from me or to get clicks. And I don't want to encourage that. That totally makes sense, and it's so stupid if people would do that. Two, I've read a hundred rumors this morning. One of them is half true, 
So I don't want to be used as a way for people to throw nonsense against a wall until something sticks. That makes sense. Three, I'm storyboarding Superman Legacy and I don't have time. Have a great day. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, it's it's cool that he does that, but it's just it's just ridiculous that how people now whether they're actually hearing something from someone who has connections or whatever, whatever some sort of source. It, it it's just it's crazy to think someone's like, oh, what can we say? Uh, you know, Will Smith is going to play Wonder Woman. You know, so something like totally ridiculous just to put it out there. You know, sources say this because, you know, they, they use the, the infamous sources, you know, unnamed source. You know, we can't reveal who it is. It's a secret, but it's really just a bunch of crap or I mean, or it could be real. And you, you don't know. And, and when you do that, it, it just kind of it's like the boy who cried wolf. And and it but it, it trickles across everyone because it could be just one or two or five or whatever people making stuff up. But then when a lot of stuff is just get get made up, then it's like how do you believe anything? And, and yeah, you can try to track who's who's hitting the mark and who's not. But it's just I don't know. It's just just kind of kind of crazy. Also kind of crazy the the fact that the Arrowverse is over now. You know the Flash has ended. We have the the finale. Uh, Justice U apparently was canceled. Uh, I, I almost forgot that that was happening. So that was supposed to be the show with, with John Diggle, with David Ramsey, where he um, recruits like five metas or something like that and tries to train them, blah, 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 next generation, all that. But basically CW's like, yeah, we're just going to we're gonna cut that. They also like like uh, basically canceled Powerpuff Girls, the live action thing, which is, is unfortunate. I mean, I was looking forward to that when it was uh, um, Dove Cameron and Chloe Bennett and someone else. I forgot who the, the third person was. But then Chloe Bennett had to drop out for some reason because uh, of scheduling conflicts. And everyone's like, like, oh, she's coming back as, as, as Quake. But I, I can't. I don't know. I'm just I'm not going to hold my breath in that as much as I would absolutely a thousand percent love that. Um, so that's not going to happen. But what what they're saying with, with the, that the the rights have been given back or what, to the studios or whatever, so they're free to shop the the projects around with someone else. So like if someone else wants to do Powerpuff Girls, they can. I don't know if that will happen. Um, so basically, with David Ramsey, he's like you know is kind of is kind of unfortunate. He feels that there's more to his story to be told, but that's it. There's there's no more Arrowverse. Uh, Diggle does exist on Superman and Lois, but that's in a different universe. That's not the Arrowverse. So they could still explore some stuff with him there in a different route, but it's not quite the same. So it's it's unfortunate, but but that's how it goes. Um, there's there's still no news on whether or not Superman and Lois is, is is coming back. You know, the speculation is like, well, maybe Max, since it's no longer HBO Max, Max would take it over because it's kind of costly. They you know they they said that. They would like to keep at least one DC show on the CW, and you know maybe that would be uh, Gotham Knights, which I'd be fine with. I, I like I, I I enjoy that show. It's it's cheesy. It's, it's but I'm intrigued. We'll have to see. We have to wait to see if, if Superman and Lois. I hope it, it's gonna continue. Natalie Portman. This isn't really news, whatever. But someone asked her if like, would you ever be open to playing Padme again? And she's like, yeah, I, I, you know, I'd be open for that. She's like, I haven't heard anything. You know, there's no plans to bring her back or do anything with her. But I, I think it'd be open to exploring and whatever. So that's cool and everything. But but it's like, what could you do? I mean, you're kind of limited. 
I mean, you, you try doing something in between, but I don't know if anyone really wants to go back to like the, the prequel era, maybe. It's just, it's, it's too bad. I don't know. We'll have to see. But yeah, I, I doubt anything's going to happen. But it, it's cool that she's like, she's like, yeah, I'd be open to it. Doesn't mean she was necessarily committing. And you know, she could just be saying that. But I doubt it. But whatever. We'll see. Some some kind of comic. Well, kind of comic. It is comic news. Uh, Rom. Rom Space Knight. So Rom has like a hardcore f- following. There's people that love Rom. I never really got into Rom. I think it was like kind of before my time. I remember when the toy came out. I think it was Hasbro, right? I remember that the toy being sold, and I was always interested, but I, I didn't really know anything about it, so I never, never picked it up. And then I never really read the comics. I, I've read a couple here or there because you know it's Marvel comics, so I, you know I have seen Rom a couple times. But then it was always weird because I didn't know the whole story. It's like all of a sudden it stopped, and then there's like you couldn't even mention Rom, and it was it was a licensing thing. You know, Marvel didn't own the rights to to rom they were licensing it and then the rights l- expired or whatever and then it went somewhere else so that they couldn't do anything with it and what that meant is all the comics and i forget i think there, there's there's a bunch they they couldn't be reprinted because they didn't have the rights to it it's just like when marvel got the star wars rights they had all you know dark horse couldn't reprint those comics anymore even though they produce it which i think is so bizarre but that's just how it works so they're planning on doing like a rom omnibus and you know facsimile editions and stuff like that so that's cool for for the rom fans uh i i would i would love to read the omnibus i just i would not love to have to pay the hundred and whatever bucks that those things cost i i love the omnibus but like yeah they're, they're too much I think Micronauts. I thought I thought I saw something about Micronauts, but I didn't read it officially. So I think Micronauts might be coming back somewhere too. Maybe reprints. I don't know if new stuff or it's just. And I think with with ROM, I don't know if we're going to get new ROM or if it's just all old stuff. So we'll see. Um, Citadel has been renewed for a second season. Thank goodness. Now, as I say this, as I record this, as you listen to this, the final episode of season is out because it's only six episodes, which I think is crazy. Um, I, cause I wondered since I hadn't, I haven't seen it yet. I haven't watched it. I was, I was like, is it just planned to be like a six issue series and that's, that's it. Or are they going to leave like a cliffhanger or you know, some sort of conclusion and then hope that we can pick up, you know, cause it seems like who wants to just, you know, unless people are, are, they can't commit to it. It's, you know, who doesn't want to have an, a franchise or at least, you know, try to do more because you make more money off of it. Uh, but it's, it's going to happen. So that's good because, you know, it, these days it seems like there's a big fear where you start watching a show, you get into it and everything like that, and then you find out it's not renewed. And it's like, why did I spend 10 hours or 12 hours or five hours or whatever watching this and then that's it? You know, it's like the Resident Evil Netflix show. I watched that like within like over two days and then it just didn't get renewed. So whatever. But Citadel is coming back. So... Next week, I'll talk about, because uh, I, I will talk about episode five this week. Next week, I'll talk about the season finale. So I'm a, I'm a week behind with that. And then uh, awesome news is Silo has been renewed for a second season as well. Because there's more than one book. I know. I don't, I forget how many books there are. And I don't know if I mentioned it. I started listening to the audio book. Um, I may mention it again. I'll, I'll talk about it. But I'm, I'm kind of hesitant, like, how far I should go into the audio book you know, during my commute, because 
I don't, I, it's like, I want to know what's going on. I want to see the differences, but I don't want to like spoil things from the show. But it, sometimes it's kind of cool to see if they go different. Cause there are some things I'm, I'm only, only a few chapters in maybe five chapters. I don't, I don't remember, but there's some minor differences already. Like, you know, I talked about the whole pregnancy thing that wasn't mentioned so far, but maybe it'll be brought up. So we'll see. And um, we'll see what else is happening because that is going to be the news for the week. All right, with comic books, um, and I, I'm, I'm going to be lame this week. I, I feel bad. It's a 300th episode, you know, blah, blah, blah. But again, with, with you know, should we t- be celebrating the 300th episode or should we be celebrating the 312th episode, which marks, you know, six years, whatever? Anyways, um, I didn't get a chance to read everything. I was trying and trying. I'm, I'm trying not to like over, I'm trying, you know, keep my, my sanity, my own mental health or whatever. I'm trying not to kill myself because, you know, I'm working full time, you know, and teaching, you put in extra hours. It's not like it's a nine to five job, you know, things, it, whatever. That's not your problem. That's my problem. So I'm, I'm trying to do as much as I can, but at the same time, I don't want to, you know, overdo it. And there, it, it's already sometimes, you know, reading a comic, sometimes it, it's a chore. And then I kind of, I kind of, it, it made me, I, I, not that I get bitter about it, but I feel like that could have a negative impact on my coverage because if, if I feel like, man, I got to read this, I got to read this. And, and I, I feel like I'm already doing that sometimes where there's like some comics, I'm just like, I'm, I, I'm not going to read this. I refuse to read this because like, you know, the carnage stuff, I'm like, nope, I am not going to read this because there's so much to read reading some of the stuff i just i don't like it and it makes me angry and it kind of the reason it makes me angry one because i just i don't like the concept or whatever you know a serial killer i just don't care to read that but also it kind of makes me angry because it's like oh wait i have so many comics to read and i'm spending this time reading this when i could be trying to read some other stuff and yeah i so i i didn't read everything and i i apologize <laughs> i'll try but with summer coming up hopefully <laughs> i'll get back on track uh, so at Image Comics Ambassador issue six, this is this like a weekly comic or semi week? It, it's interesting because um, each issue is picking up like a different quote unquote ambassador, super powered, you know, someone from a different country, and you know they they get access to you know I I forget did they say twenty five different powers so they can call to different things, different powers and do what they want. So this one we were introduced to the Australian new superhero ambassador dude, and they're still this this choice is a little questionable uh given the the dude's background and, and stuff that has happened so they they kind of do things a little different which is kind of interesting and uh there's still the stuff with the the woman in charge of you know all the superpower stuff like her ex-husband has got his own agenda and he's trying to do his own thing so um things are like getting are heating up there with what what he's doing there so we'll have to see about that the Forge number three came out. I really want to read this book, but something's just not vibing with me. Um, you know, because I, I like Greg Rucka and Eric Troutman, and I, I love Mike Henderson and his, his art. But it's, it's just, and I think I may have meant, I don't know if I mentioned this last with the second issue or if I just thought it. But when you read the comic, you know, the first page often has like, a synopsis or description like this is what happened before but with this oh my gosh it is like the longest description and it, it, it's great because it really fills you in on everything going on but it's to me it seems like it's kind of nuts that 
all this it, such detail needs to explain what's going on because there's just so much and uh, I, don't, I don't know so yeah i i and this was like was this like a double-sized issue i think it was like like 40 or 50 pages or something so i i started reading it and i just like i said i love mike henderson's art but i just i can't i i feel like i'm missing the purpose of of the story or like the characters so it's just hard for me and i don't want to just sit like and complain about it so i don't know indigo children i'm interested in this but I realized it's like, I think I might not have read the second issue because I remember reading the first issue. Uh, so the, the, this, uh, maybe I didn't read the second because I, I started reading the second. I'm like, wait, what's going on here? And um, see, there was a reprint of second issue. Chapter two, Mars, uh, a glimpse of the past. Chicago, Alexei and Donovan worked to liberate another one of the captured indigo tree. i think i might not have read the second because there are some care i'm like who who is who's this supposed to be it's it seems like an interesting concept so i do recommend you know trying to pick up like the first three issues or wait till the, the trade but there's some stuff with these like children that are powered and like it's not like widely known or there's just there's like a, a lot going on so but it's 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 pretty cool so i do recommend that even though like i said i i might I might be behind already. Um, Kaya issue eight. I'm I'm really digging this. This is written and drawn by Wes Craig from Deadly Class, which I absolutely love that series. So I and I love this. When I first started reading this, it was weird because it's such a departure from Deadly Class. And there's something about Deadly Class, you know, like starting off in the '80s and with the kids and you know the school for assassins and all that and just the characters. I was just like so into it. And, and then, you know, part of me was just really, really bummed that the series ended, you know, but that's how it goes. And then reading this, when this started, I'm just like, hmm, this is weird because it's like kind of fantasy, you know, there's different species and lizard people and whatever. And But the more, you know, the, the, as the issues have gone by, because, you know, we're uh, on issue eight right now. I'm just I'm digging this more and more and I'm because I'm now I'm and, and you know that that's I say that a lot it's like why do, should I care about these characters you know you need to sell me and convince me so it's just really cool to see what's going on so uh Kaya her Jin her half brother has been kidnapped and just are separated so she's trying to get it back and and there's this like robot dude and these other creatures and it's uh, it's I, I just I'm, I'm I'm just really embracing this more and more so I, I'm, I'm digging that. Um, I realize as I'm looking through the, the list of, of, of stuff, I still haven't read the final issue of Nemesis Reloaded because I forgot to read that last week somehow. Nightclub is out. Uh, final issue came out. Um, I I missed out on, I think, the second issue. So I need to, I might, maybe I should just get the trade. Um, uh, let's see what else we have. We had Radiant Pink issue five. I don't think I was reading this. I'm, I'm curious because of all the Radiant stuff, like Radiant Black and, and that uh, there was also super massive one shot. So I didn't get a chance to read this. So this is, let's see, the doorway is open beyond it lies a Holy grail. Yes, that Holy grail. But why are radiant black rogue son? So rogue son is the other comic. Um, and the dead lucky are all so desperate to get their hands on it. And who is mysterious woman who stands in their way? Massive verse architects, Kyle Higgins, Ryan Parrott, Melissa Flores, and Matt groom are joined by superstar art team, Daniel Di Niculo and Walter Biamonte for a 50-page one-shot crossover event. Yeah, 50 pages. 
that's a lot for me, for me to read. It's it's basically a big crossover thing, which is is cool because you know they they've been building up this 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 big world and everything. Vanish number seven came out. I I feel like I need to go back and read number one to start over. You know I so 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 love Ryan Stegman's art, but yeah, something just didn't click with me from that uh, in the beginning. But uh, I don't know. Maybe you know maybe it's gotten better. So you tell me if you're reading it, love it, and why should I be reading it? You know, convince me. Uh, what's the furthest place from here? I, I, there's something about this comic. I, I love this. So issue 13 is out, and we find out you know what happened to Alabama Life Lafayette. Um, so this is this like post-apocalyptic world things are different there's no adults and you know we, we kind of saw like what happened to adults and who are these strangers these people that came and what's going on and, you know the kids are in all these different groups like gangs and so there's just a lot of cool things and we're as we're seeing like more of like other areas and uh so this this was a so as we see these two characters it's it's um it's kind of not i don't want to say depressing but it's kind of kind of a bummer it's like oh man it's like this you know things aren't aren't going too smoothly for them and uh it may not necessarily have the the, the happiest of, of endings so just uh well not not that that means you're not going to read it but but that's that's how it goes <laughs> had dc comics um okay now i'm looking at this i did not read i i wonder you tell me if you remember <laughs> i don't know if i read dead boy detectives issue five so sandman universe presents dead boy Detectives issue six is out. This might be the last issue. I could be wrong. Uh, Nightwing 104 is out. Interesting thing about this. Oh wait. Oh wait. I just I just opened it up. I didn't finish reading it. I'm on what page am I on? I'm on page 19. 19 to 34. Yeah. Okay. That that stinks. I I, I thought I I read that because this was like I might have been like the first book at dc i was like i'm gonna read nightwing and then got distracted came back to it the you know the, all the comics later and, and i was like oh okay i'm gonna read this now i'm gonna read this so nightwing gets superpowers thanks to neuron um, but there's of course there's a catch so we'll have to see i so i need i can't tell you how it ended not that i would because i don't spoil things but uh it's, it's kind of interesting there um then with action comics Cyborg Superman, <laughs> he's one of those characters. I like him more than Carnage, but I, I, I'm kind of the point was like, or my, my point, my, my perspective is like, what is the point of Cyborg Superman? You know, this dude, he's just so bitter, whatever, blah, blah, blah. He hates Superman. He blames him for everything, but he takes his, his persona. I, I think the bigger thing, and you know, I'm sure it's been explained with Kryptonian DNA or mixing or whatever. This and that. It's like, how the heck does he look just like Superman? Because you know Hank Henshaw didn't, you know, not, it's not that he'd be like a dead ringer for Superman, but you know, like going back to Reign of the Superman, and everything where Lois is like, "Wait, are you are you Superman, Clark? Is that you?" And not that she said Clark, but anyways, so he's just waving in her face. You know, he's just a complete you know jerk, whatever. And uh, so we we get that story, and we we got like the the Superman family or super whatever you kind of call them, and uh, it's. The stuff with Metallo is kind of interesting. You know, it's like, what's going to happen with him? Can he be trusted? Because he just wants to save his sister. And, you know, he's he was used by Lex Luthor. He's, you know, just being used and everything. So there's some, and we get some background on him, which kind of explains, like, his motives and stuff like that. So we get more there. 
And then uh, there's uh, the Superman and Lois story. So with like young Jonathan. So it's cool to see Jonathan as a kid. So this is by Dan Jurgens and Lee Weeks. You know, it's a gorgeous art and it's a really cool story. And then there's more on uh, the the John Henry Irons the Steelworks stuff. And uh, not really sure where this story is going, but there's like yeah, a Mister Terrific pops up, which I don't know if that's a spoiler, but whatever, you get that. Unstoppable Doom Patrol number three. I love this 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 series. Uh, it's just it's it's so good and. Um, Chris Burnham's art is just, I, I just, he's so good. And I, I'm so, so happy to see his art here. And, you know, it's just, it's like gritty, but detailed, you know, like whatever. And it's, it's just, it's almost like it has like an attitude, like in a good way. So, you know, I, I always, whenever I think of, of Chris's art, I, I often think of like Damien, like the way he drew Damien Wayne and just having that attitude. And, and you know, like you look at this, uh, you know, one this it's a splash page you see like because guy gardner and kyle rayner are here so this is taking place before the hal jordan green lantern that just came out a couple weeks ago and uh so there's some cool stuff because <laughs> uh cliff and uh larry they have this new powered person i won't say anything more but uh, kyle and guy are like after this person because of the danger that they possess but the, this this dude's name was, was pretty funny. So I I just I am I'm digging that that series. Tim Drake Robin. Uh, this is this is okay. Um, I, I I don't know. Yeah, it's I I think part of the thing it's it's weird. Robin living in a houseboat, but and you know there's been this new community there, and I feel like you know there, there's a lot of I think there's a lot of like LGBT people in this community, you know, and there's, uh, so it's just, I, I, I don't know. Like if it's fine, you know, we, we should have characters, uh, you know, I'll, and it makes sense to have, what's the, why am I drawing such blank or anything? Supporting cast. You know, it's, it's, it's nice to have a supporting cast of, of that's everything that represents what the world is. So you should have, you know, blacks, Latinos, women, um, gay, transvestites. You should have like everything, the whole gamut. This is stuff that exists in the world. So why shouldn't it exist in the comics? You know, so we we have all these casts, but I I, I think my, my problem is not so much the community that's there, but the fact that he's living on a houseboat. Because what happens in this issue? This is the, the, my biggest problem with this: is Robin like swings onto the boat, and one of his neighbors like sees him land, or he sees something happen land under, and then he goes to check. You know, so Tim's like changing out of his costume, and then someone's like, I don't know if they barged in or just like pounded on the door, and then he's like, Oh, I have someone here, and then you see like the Robin costume on bed. So then this person thinks that. Tim is hooking up with Robin, even though they know Tim has a, a boyfriend, Bernard. And it's just, I don't know. And, and just like Bernard's going through a lot from when he was kidnapped. And Batwoman is angry because she was, I, I don't know if she had memory loss, but she's like accused of killing. But she's like, I, she, sure, sure she didn't. I don't know. But at least the, the art is 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 good uh i didn't read harley quinn green arrow 2 
So there's some. This is just interesting. I I really like the direction. I like the character. So we we have Green Arrow. We have Roy Harper. We have uh, Dinah. 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 What is Black Canary? Okay. Okay. I'm just like so tired. I guess I'm just. It's been a long week. Um, Dinah Lance. Oh my gosh. See, I, I could edit that and just say. Roy Harper and Dinah Lance. <laughs> no one noticed I edited. I'm not going to do that because I, I, you know, I want to. I, I, I want to be transparent with you guys. And uh, and we have uh, Roy's daughter. So oh, and we have Connor. Connor Hawk is so. There's things, but then Ollie he disappeared. Where's he at? And there's like weird things going on where they're being separated. And um, so there's like this mystery. It's like where the heck is he at? Because he's like not on Earth. It's like somewhere else. And it's just. Uh, it's crazy. I, 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 good. City boy. <laughs> City boy number one. This is one of those new characters. Uh, city boy has the ability to like see things within the city. Like uh, he can like scavenge the garbage. Like oh, there's some, a fifty dollar bill buried under this banana peel or something, and he can find you know the hidden things. It's not just like finding junks or whatever. And yeah, and. Uh, so we, we get more to start because we saw City Boy in one of the Lazarus special things. And there was like, wait, how does this even work? Who is this person? But we, we, we get this, the background here. What makes this interesting is there's someone that is interested in the power that, oh, I almost said something that might have been a giveaway, but maybe not. But the, the, the power output that City Boy uses and it's like, wow, this is like a really strong connection. So like a big, huge baddie in a DC universe might have a connect. There might be a connection to this villain and this villain, this, this power level that this city boy possesses is on this big baddies villain. And then we're talking like, like the ultimate baddie is, I mean, it should be obvious who I'm talking about. Well, I'm sure I'll talk about it more next time. And then um, Justice Society issue four. Oh my gosh. I love this comic. Um, Jeff John and Mikhail Janin and Jordi Belair. It's just, it's gorgeous and it's just so intriguing. It's weird that the fact that, you know, we, we have um, Helena Wayne. So we have Batman and Catwoman's daughter from the future. She's in the present because there's been, been someone that's going around killing the Justice Society across different eras in time. So she's trying to prevent the justice league from getting killed because you know so they're, they're going back in time yeah she's you know messing up the timeline or whatever but uh this villain is also messing up the timeline by you know going after the justice league and you know wiping them out when they're not supposed to be wiped out so it's like you know you you can't necessarily do that and it just looks so good and and i just i i love jeff john's his writing is it's just the way he, he you know he writes the characters because you know he knows the characters and then he always like digs in deep and he adds different things so it's just really cool uh, so I guess I mentioned a villain I mean it's not he's 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 been in the other issues with it per per Degaton I don't know a lot about this this character and I'm trying to remember the last time I read it because I, I remember because to me the name is always kind of weird <laughs> so that's why it like sticks in my mind but um, oh Jerry Ordway does some of the art in here too so this is just. You should be reading this. I mean, it's, it's just, it's it's really good. So I'll just, just say that. Okay, then at Marvel, so I feel like this was kind of a weird week for Marvel because it wasn't the, it's not the final, like maybe it is the final week. Yeah, I think. 
Um, just, just like some weird stuff. So Bishop War College issue four came out. I am not reading that. Uh, it just, I, I don't know if there's going to be any big repercussions, but I'm, yeah, I just didn't read it. Daredevil and Echo issue one. So this is by, um, let's see, creators Taboo, B. Earl, and Phil Noto. So it's like Phil Noto art. So of course, you know, you're going to want to read it. But it's weird because we have Daredevil here and it's, Electra was in here too, Electra Daredevil, if I remember correctly from when I read this. It feels like I read it so long ago and it wasn't. But it's, you know, this is after the current, you know, Chip Zdarsky's run, but it just feels like it's so separated from that. And I don't know. And then the, the fact that Echo was just with the power of the Phoenix and everything in, in here, it's like, wait, what happened to that, that, all that, that jazz? You know, it's not really present here. So it was just there. There was a lot of stuff about uh, like some past connections, like a hundred years, like in eighteen hundreds. So that was kind of interesting to see. Like, um, see what is? Let me see what it says about this. So there's new demigoblin has been kidnapping children for reasons known. Series Daredevil and Echo discover why, as demigoblin works to wake an ancient and powerful evil deep in the bowels of the city. So yeah, so stuff. Um, basically, Daredevil and echoes like ancestors sort of so um we'll see i, I mean it was it was fine i didn't love it but it, it was it was fine um <laughs> there's extreme venom verse number two i didn't read that fury number one this was an interesting book i'm i'm not the biggest nick fury jr fan because i just i miss old school nick fury but we do get some old school nick fury in here so this is a Let's see, forty-one page comic, and we see Nick Fury. He's involved. There's this kind of new character, I guess, Scorpio, with just it's an acronym. And Nick Fury gets involved with this, and then he looks into like the past, like files, his father's files, and stuff like that. And we do see Nick Fury, the unseen, and there's like more update on him. So this was a this was it was a good good issue. I, I like that. I guess I'll say. Oh, I didn't read Hollow's Eve number three. Oh, no, 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 no. I take that back. I, I did read that. Um, <laughs> it's um such a weird the, the fact that this comic exists. It's you know it's like we can't have a Ben Riley comic because the character is just he's dead. He died back in the nineties during the Clone Saga. Um, I don't want to. I I don't know if I I don't want a Chasm comic, but I would take it if it was handled differently better but how is eve it's <laughs> I, just janine character i'm not really i don't really care about her so much so oh, whatever hellcat issue three is just weird as we're finding out you know we're, we're seeing more about um patsy and her background and when she died and was in hell and this, it's and then the connection with sleepwalker and this murder that happened and what is the connection of everything and it's just it's it's weird um new mutants lethal legion issue three i think i'm not reading this series i don't think i've read yeah because part of it is i don't there's like all these new characters and i'm like i don't care about them so i'm not checking that out there was let's see i, I think that's about all i read there's darth vader black red black white and red which i do want to read that because i know the first i remember the first issue it was you know it was a continuation so I, I need to see that there was a storm comic and i just didn't get um Let's see. Storm faces a blowback of her, of her powers. 
Storm has been a theme, blah, 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 blah. With her mutant ability to control the weather, bolstered by her top-notch fighting skills, she's, okay, whatever, this is nothing. Um, but when her elemental powers emerge near to Xavier Mansion's mansion, it'll take Storm to the limit of her powers. Wait, is this, is this current or is this a flashback? Electrifying all new series showcasing Storm's day of rocking her mohawk and leading the X-Man as she faces an all-new villain that will threaten to tear her apart from her team. Okay, so this is, oh, it's by Ann Nocenti, and it's going, it's like, so it's one of those series where it goes back. What, I mean, Mohawk era Storm, I, sh I, I should check that out. I, I was going to read it, I just, it, I didn't. There's also Thor 34, which I've been reading Thor the past few issues, and like Thanos is here and Doctor Doom, I have no idea what's going on. No, none whatsoever. Warlock Rebirth. I don't know if I read the first issue. I don't think I did. No, maybe I. I'm looking at a Marvel app, which is shutting down on June second. If if you if you're not aware, I'm I'm wondering what that's how the transfer is going to be for me because I do use Unlimited also. Um, but I'm looking. I have the first issue. I don't know if I actually read it. Maybe I did. Came out on April nineteenth. So, I, but I didn't read the second issue. I hope to. And then the excellent issue three came out, which Peter Milligan, Mike all read. It's such a weird book, such a bunch of weird characters, but I, I, I love it. And I, I love, I adore Mike Allred's art and Laura Allred's colors. But um, that's about it. So, kind of, kind of quick. That's comics for the week. Okay, then with the Citadel, Season 1, Episode 5, Time Renders Us Enemies. So here's the thing. As you listen to this, um, I believe the final episode is out. It's crazy that it's only six episodes, and I have no idea. I haven't watched it yet as I record this. I don't know if it's like a cliffhanger. So it starts off in Morocco. Carter says, you know, so back in, in Carter's the, the prison cell where he's at, he's like, you can't trust her. And uh, Kyle's like, why not? And Nadia kind of takes a step closer, and she's like, Carter? So then it cuts back to Athens nine years earlier. Mason and Nadia, they're in a hotel room. You know, they must have had some mission or something like that. And she's pouring. I think she's in a green dress. I don't know if it's the same green dress, if it's supposed to be the same time as we saw in the last episode. So she pours some drinks, and he has, like, a ring box. And she's like, any news on the Ozki? So this is after the thing with with celeste and he's like no 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 intel no chatter it disappeared with davik siljay and she's like if he's been a ghost this long he's not looking for celeste anymore so she's like should we bring her back from farmington and kyle's like i'm sure she's happy for the time off and then Nadi's like maybe i should check in and kyle's like that's against protocol you know that so she's asked okay who are we today and he's like a couple just married on their honeymoon in Mykonos, and he's like, Command wants us to bring in a Yakuza boss, Takashi Sako, and there's this, and he puts the open ring box down. When she and then when she looks at it, she's like, Bernard really, really went all out on our cover. That looks so real. And she like kind of puts it on and like kind of marvels at it, and he's just like staring at her, and he's like, what if it is real? You know, what if it's not from Bernard? And she looks at him, she's like, are you fudging with me right now? He shakes his head, and she's like, is this some part that you're playing? He's like, not with you. With you, I'm me, and only with you am I me. He's like, marry me. So then it cuts to the present in the ambassador's house, 
Anders uh, takes Bernard's phone from him, and you know, he's looking. It's the picture of Kyle, Abby, and Hendricks. And Bernard's like, "She's alive," and he's like, "It's not real." Bernard's like, "It's her, Anders. I can take you to her." He's like, "You lost her once. Do you really want to lose her again?" And you can hear there's like a helicopter approaching. So Anders, he's like, I'm going to cut you loose. He's like, I have a car run back. And he tells him like, he's like, stay behind me. So he cuts the, the ropes like on his left wrist. And then I was like, wait, what just happened? He gets shot. It's like, did he get shot in the head? Because he like stumbles, you know, because it looks like he got like hit in the head. He like stumbles, uh, uh, and, but he's still standing. And then Bernard looks up and sees Dahlia, the ambassador. And she's holding like a gun with a silencer in a doorway. And Anders calls her a fudging bitch and stumbles towards her somehow. One of her two goons goes to stop him, but Anders grabs him by the throat. And after a few seconds, Anders falls to his knees and then flat on his face. So she tells Bernard that he's like, oh, you always had a silver tongue. And she, you know, she always admired him building a safer world until she found out that the most dangerous weapon wasn't nuclear arms or biological weapons. It was Citadel. He like slowly shakes his head. He's like, Thomas would be so ashamed of what you've become. And this like angers her. So she walks all the way over to the other end of this long table and she like spits in his face. She's like, you're not fit to speak his name. She's like, this is his legacy as much as it is mine. And she's like, disarmament. And Bernard's like, you killed all of those agents. You killed thousands. And she's like, murderers, war criminals, spies. And I would do it every day if it means protecting innocent people from losing the ones they loved, like I did. He's like, but I can't take all the credit. It was one of your own who came to me, hurt and lied to, a Citadel spy who finally saw the truth of the agency and betrayed you all. So, you know, who, the question is, who, who is, who is the, the, the spy? Is she talking about Nadia? You know, part of me, because, you know, I, I joked about Nadia being the, the mole, the spy. I don't think it is. I still, I wonder, I mean, could it be, I mean, if, if it's not Nadia, then who else would it be? I mean, it could be, could be Kyle, it could be Mason, where he just doesn't remember. That would be the bigger thing is if he was the mole, but he, since his memories are gone, erased, he has no idea. Part of me, I sometimes, you know, with the way Celeste handled, like, the phone call and the way she was, like, when she was explaining to Joe, to Bernard's ex-wife about how they met and everything, it seems weird because, like, why would – I still – I'm not really clear. She's been in her identity before Kyle became – before he became Kyle, before he lost his memories. So, I, I don't know. I mean – I, 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 if I had to put money down now without having watched the, the last episode and, and who knows when it will get answers, I'm kind of, but see, it wouldn't, wouldn't make sense for Kyle. Anyways, moving on. Nine years earlier at headquarters, Nadia gets like a secure message and there's a picture. It's like Celeste not in Farmington. Something happened to her. And then there's like another picture. It's like she was backstop authorized by Bernard Orlick. So it's like, oh, man. So she goes to Bernard's like office and he's on the computer. He's like, oh, just just a second. And he's like, you know, finishing what he's doing. She waits like maybe four seconds or something like that. Or did he say a second? Maybe he said a minute or like that. And then she grabs his keyboard and smashes it on his desk. And, and she's like, how about now? And he's like, yeah, now's good. And she's like, you're going to answer one question. It was, it was like, okay, so let's pause right here. What is the protocol in all this? It's like, what is the chain of command? If she's just like an agent, like a field agent, I feel like Bernard has like a higher like role than she does. And then she just comes in and you know demands answers, smashes his his keyboard. I feel like 
I don't know. And it's the same thing with the way Celeste was acting, but maybe it's just a writing. I don't know. So she's like, did he know? And he like looks at her and then he kind of like looks away. So she's standing elsewhere and she's thinking back to Morocco, like, you know, should we bring her back from Farmington? And then he's like, I'm sure she's happy for, you know, for the time off. Then she thinks of him telling Celeste, you know, or whatever that, uh, Nadia thinks a great spy has to be a great liar, but a great spy needs to tell the truth. And then there's like lots of images and memories of him and stuff like that. So Mason's sitting in this like patio, public patio, like dining area, like out, outdoor dining thing. She comes and she sits and he's like, oh, I ordered you some drink or what like that. She's like, oh, you shouldn't have. And he like kind of looks at her and then she's like, Bernard backstop Celeste. And he's like, what? She looks at him. She's like, did you know? He's like, no. No. And Nadia sighs. She's like, how could you, Mason? And he like sits straight. He's like, I'm sorry. How could you do that to her? And he's like, so he knows he's busted. He's like, I did it for you to protect you. And she's like, from what? He's like, I know you took the Oski. And she's like, now Mason. And he's like, and I have never asked what you did with it or who you sold it to or who you're working for. And she's like, why didn't you just ask me? Why? He's like, because I didn't want to know. I didn't want to know the truth because if I knew the truth, I'm scared what I'd have to do to you. I've lost everything I ever cared about. I won't lose you. She's like, if you asked me, I would have told you the truth. And he's like, did you, you did take it. And he's like, so did you turn? She kind of like scoffs, you know, lightly. And he's like, are you a mole? Is this a lie? Us? She's like, why don't you tell me, Mason? So he's like, what did you do with it? And she's like, what do you think I did with it? She's like, I destroyed it. No one can be trusted with that kind of power. Not the Silje brothers, not the Zanny family, not even Citadel. Now reactivate her. And Mason's like, I can't. She's like, Mason, call Bernard and reactivate Celeste's memories, please. Kyle's like, or Bert, Mason's like, I wiped them from the system. And she's like, what? He's like, for you, so the blame would stay with her. So you just killed the person that she was? And he's like, to protect you because I love you. She's like, you don't love me. She's like, if you think I needed you to do that for me, you don't know me at all. And he's like, how could I? You never gave me the chance. And she's like, I've given this everything. I literally walked in here and gave you the opportunity to tell me the truth. Yet, she never told him the truth that she basically sabotaged his mission that he had to lead on. That she came in and took the Ozki unbeknownst to anyone, going against all of Citadel's orders, and made her own decision to destroy it. So she never bothered to tell him. And then he's like, no, this isn't about Celeste, is it? Or what I did. You're always looking for a reason to leave. And she's like, oh, that's some BS. He's like, you always wanted to end this, to walk out, conscious clean, pin it on me, make it my fault. She's like, it is your fault. <laughs> and then he's, I don't know, the, the guy at the next table said something, but then he's like, eat your fudging salad. <laughs> He's like, you know how I ended up a spy? He's like, I was five years old and my dad died and my mom left like I didn't exist. Now Citadel gave me an identity. Not existing was an asset. They saw me. Then I met you and I knew who I was. You already knew who you were. You had a mom and a dad and a life. You became a spy so you could hide. And she's like, what am I hiding from, Mason? He says, from yourself. So you never have to show your real self to anyone. And I don't know why. I don't know why you're so grudging, terrified of being, I almost swore for real that time. I don't know why you're so fudging terrified of being seen. He's like, you once asked, 
can you ever truly love a spy? The question is, can a spy ever truly love? And I can. Can you? And Nadia's like, I can, Mason. I just can't love you. And she puts the ring down on the table. And she's like, goodbye, Mason. And she gets up and leaves. Then when she's alone, she calls someone named Rahi, because according to closed caption, it's on the phone. So he's surprised that she's calling. And she's like, something happened. And the voice is like, what? And there's a pause. We don't get, we, we come back to this later. So she's sitting on a bench in a park. This Rahi dude sits next to her and says that she made the right choice calling him. And he wants, you know, to get her to Valencia and he'll be waiting for her. If anyone can do it, it's, uh, or she's, she's like, if anyone can do it, it's Rahi Gambier. And she's like, I still have some loose ends to tie up. And she gives him some like, like folded papers or something like that. And he's like, okay, if you're there much longer, they'll discover the truth about you. So whatever you need to finish at Citadel, do it fast. And she's like, don't worry. No one suspects a thing. By the time they figure out, figure it out, I'll be long off the grid. So then he's like, but when that day comes, when you turn your back on Citadel, the question remains, what are you going to do about Kane? And she's like, Mason can never find out. You understand that. So it's like, what is she talking about? Is she talking about spice, turning evidence, whatever? And the president in Carter cell, he's like, you can't trust her. And Kyle's like, why not? And then to Nadia's, Carter's like, you are working with Manticore. You were with a known terrorist, Rahi Gambir, which is true, just days before Citadel fell. And then Kyle looks at Nadia, and she doesn't say anything. You know, she doesn't deny it or anything like that, because obviously it's, it's true. We've seen it. This alarm goes off, and she pulls out her gun, and she looks you know, out the door. She's like, we have to go now. And she's like, Kyle, you want to save your family? I suggest we get the fudge out of here. So we see Dahlia sitting with Bernard, the clock chimes, and she's like, we've run out of time, and I've run out of patience. I need the codes to the nukes. She opens the laptop. We're getting so close to your family, Bernard. And he just, like, shakes his head. She's like, we'll drop a cluster bomb like old times, right? What do you say? And Bernard's like, if you touch one hair under fudging heads, she's like, get me the confirmation on target, you know, and over radio. Target coordinates confirmed. He's like, don't do this. And she's like, initialize launch. Dahlia, there are kids in there. She's like, didn't stop Citadel in Belgrade. And Bernard's like, please, please. And then on the radio, they're like, permission to execute. Then she's like, do it. And he's like, okay, okay, I'll give it to you. You see, that wasn't so hard, was it? So he's like, GXZ33, E5, A429, B, CC18288. He's like, okay, well, we're all just trying to make the world a safer place for our children, aren't we? And she's like, let the families know we'll launch tomorrow. Catalog the location of all Russian smart subs, nuclear grade, and clean up in Wyoming. No loose ends. And Bernard looks up. He's like, Dahlia, don't fudging do this. Don't. Just an eye for an eye, Bernard, for what you people did to me. I mean, it's only fair, right? So she's going to kill them anyways. So she walks out and she tells uh, one of her goons to, to get him to Brazil. He's like, we have big plans for him. He's like, Dahlia, Dahlia. In Wyoming, a screen shows threat detected and Val, uh, his daughter, Bernard's daughter, yells to her mom. Joe tells Abby, he's like, we have to go. They found us. So Joe, Val, Abby, and Hendrix, they start gathering her things. The other woman's not there, so maybe she's out somewhere. They start gathering stuff. They go down this like big freight elevator, and it looks like a couple drones are headed towards her place. And at Dahlia's, a couple cleaners are taking care of the mess. That's Anders. So Anders is dead. 
because she she killed him. Davik talks to Dahlia over the phone and tells her the Fez Black site was breached. So that's where Carter is. And um, Kane and Nadia Sin took Carter and they're fleeing the country. So in Fez, Morocco, Dahlia over the phone says, because he's like in like a hotel room. He's like somewhere. Then she's like, activate Yamazaki. He's in Casablanca. We need to find them, whatever it takes. We can't lose him. We need. We have the location of the nukes. Now we just need Mason Kane. It's like, huh? How come? And Davik, I need you to go to Valencia. We intercepted a communique between Nadia, Sin, and Rahi Gambir yesterday. There's a chess piece I think he's been holding for her. Let me know the minute you have it in your possession. And he's like, we'll do what we can. Oh, and Davik, your brother was killed. Bernard Orlick got free and shot him dead before we could restrain him. So let's finish this, hmm, for Anders. And he's like, yes, ma'am. And then he gets off the phone and he like yells, throws his phone. But it's like, dude, she killed him. At um, Barrage Bablota, it's like 50 miles outside Fez. So it's like, okay, I don't know where that's at. In the back of a car, Carter says to Nadia, I don't know who you are anymore. And she's like, I'm the person trying to keep us alive. And he calls her like an insurgent. And Kyle's like, Baldino, Carter, my own two eyes. It's like, you're hiding something. And Carter's like, stop the car. Stop the fudging car. Then to Kyle, Nadia's like, none of us are as clean as we want to be. You know that. And then to Carter, she's like, and you? You're going to open me up after what you did to Celeste? He may not remember, but I do. And she get, gets out of the car. And Carter's like, you don't get to say that. Everyone thought Celeste was a double agent. But I knew. I knew it was you. And she's like, you're wrong. And Carter or Kyle's like, is he? So Carter's like, a year before Citadel fell, you left Tier 1. You disappeared. Mason found out you were in Valencia off-grid with Rahir Gambir. You two are working for Manicor. You planned attack against Citadel, didn't you? So then there's a flashback to the train. After the shootout, Nadia says to Mason, I lied to you. Hmm. Nadia says, you don't know what you're asking. And Carter's like, you're working against us then? And Kyle's like, Nadia? And Carter's like, you're working against us now. And Kyle's like, what's in Valencia? And back to the train, Nadia's like, I need to tell you something. So then Kyle and the president, he's like, Nadia, what, what was in Valencia? And then Nadia's like, I have a daughter. And Kyle and Carter just like stare at her like in shock. She's like, I'm not a fudging insurgent. She's like, I had a child and I had to keep her secret because that was the only way to keep her safe. So there's a flashback to when Nadia called Rahir and he's like, oh, this is a prize. And then she's like, something happened. There's a pregnancy test next to her phone because she's like on speakerphone. She's like, I'm pregnant. And Rahir's like, Nadia. And she's like, I need to get out. Rahir's like, does Mason know? And then she's like, no, and he doesn't need to. I don't trust him. Then in Valencia, Spain, she's sitting on a balcony. She's, um, she's starting to show. Then later, she's giving birth with Rahi, and there's like a midwife there. The midwife wants to get her to hospital. She's like, no, no hospitals. Then in the present, she's like, I haven't seen her since she was six months old, eight years ago. And Kyle's like, is she? And then Nadia's like, yes. Kyle's like, did I know? And she's like, no. He's like, why not? And she's like, because you didn't deserve to know. And Kyle's like, we have a daughter? And she's like, yes. All this time, she's like, it was the hardest decision I ever had to make. So then in Washington, D.C., Dahlia asked, you know, how was the trip in? So there's this lady named Kristoff. So she's like, it was quick. 
And she says that, the, you know, she picked her up in a car. She said that the families have long been skeptical of you, and yet my family is pleased. She just mentioned the Zanis commended her as she does uh, or something like that. Um, she's bought herself some much-needed goodwill. Then her driver interrupts, and Dolly asks if it's done. The driver says, we intercepted Russia's tracking of its death hand sub. We're free and clear to execute, but we can't access it. She says that she knows there's an override to the code, and she says it's linked to a sole biometric print from a mission years ago. Only Mason Kane has access to those nukes, but there is no Mason Kane. But if it's biometric, I guess, you know, it could still work. So then um, it, it, with Kyle, he's like, who has she been with? Carter's like, Rahir Gambir, right? And Nadia just looks at him. He's like, he's a criminal, a terrorist. And Nadia's like, he's my father. So like bombshells are just dropping left and right. So flashback to Nadia humming in a rocking chair, holding her baby. Rahi standing in the doorway watching them. And then her phone rings and it's Grace from Citadel. And Rahi's like, Italy? Then later he tells her, he's like, you can't go to Italy. She's like, I have to. And she's like, I told her I'd go. And Rahi's like, why did you say yes? And Nadia's like, he deserves to know. He deserves to at least know about her. If I don't tell him, aren't I just like him? Look, you both will be fine together and I'll be back in six weeks. Then she tells her daughter, she's like, mommy has to go for a while. You'll be safe here. And she puts like some sort of jewelry thing like around her wrist. It's like a, kind of like a bracelet with like whatever this little pendant or something. And she's like, she says that she'll be watching. She's like, mama loves you, Asha. And as I was like, Asha, because she had written go to Valencia, Asha on her arm after she woke up in a train accident when she was in that room and she fought that dude. So she's trying to remember her daughter and she, she couldn't. So then in the present, vehicles start approaching. There's like four SUVs. This dude gets out. It's a Yamazaki guy that, that Grace, or that, um, what's, what's her name? The ambassador said to activate or call him or whatever. So he tells them, you'll want to put those down because they have their guns out. Now he's like, why don't you tell that to your guys? And he just ignores them. He's like, Mr. Conroy, I have someone who would like a word with you. And he holds up a little metal tin. And Kyle's like, what is this? He's like, it's a secure line for communication. The piece goes in your ear. And he's like, I promise you, no harm will come to either you or your associates. Nadia kind of gives him like the okay. So he puts his, Kyle puts his gun down on the roof of the car. He walks around the front of it and he puts the earpiece in. He's like, hello? And Dolly's like, Kyle Conroy, I've been anxious to speak with you for a very long time. I have a proposition for you. Well, a trade, if you will. There's a submarine somewhere in the Pacific. It has something I seek. Well, five somethings to launch tomorrow. And we see the sub and there's like five nukes inside. So she's like, and you are going to help me retrieve them. Kyle's like, why would I do that? Yamazaki holds up the bracelet that Nadia put on baby Asha. Because I have your daughter. But Nadia like barely reacts to the bracelet. So it's like, did she not see it from her angle? Or is she just trying to play it cool? So, uh, and it's like, how the heck did they find the baby so fast? That, that was just like, I mean, I don't know. It just, so here it seems like, oh, we're wrapping, got to wrap things up. Got to, you know, tie up everything. So it just seems like very, very sudden that they're able to find out, find the baby right away. They had no idea what they were even looking for. But that was the end of the episode. So we'll see what's gonna what's gonna happen next. I, again, I th I'm pretty sure there's just one more. Okay, then Superman and Lois, season three, episode nine, 
the dress. So this this was another another very emotional episode. I mean, there there's a couple moments where it almost feels a little cheesy, but it's I I feel it's important enough, and there there's some 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 big things happening. So they just do they're doing a really really good job with with just the whole whole cancer topic and everything like that. So it it starts off uh, 17 years ago. We see Lois and Clark. They're walking in like the Daily Planet. They're, they're talking about like wedding venues, and uh, it seems like Lois is having a hard time agreeing, you know, to anything like that, to like you know where they want to go because you know she's like, oh, I've been to so many weddings there, and you know she wants something different, and you know nothing's really speaking to her. And you know Clark's pointing out that you know well you know some of these places need to be booked well, you know well in advance, and she's like, well you know the right you know spot will be worth waiting for, just like you were worth waiting for. Then uh, this other lady comes up to him. So Lois was nominated for this like Metropolitan Writing Award, something like that, for this piece on Henry Miller. And Clark's like, like, oh yeah, you know, he's excited. He's like, you know, next to the Pulitzer, that's this is like the the highest honor that a, a journalist can get. And and she's like, eh, you know, she's like, like not really into it because that's not her thing. But then it cuts to the president in the doctor's office. Doctor says that you know she has good news. Her scans are looking really good. So you know, one more round of chemo. And, you know, the doc says that then they can you know, start talking about the next steps after this. Then at the farm, Lois calls the boys down upstairs. You know, they're, they're supposed to bring some clothes down because there's like a clothes drive. So Jordan asked Jonathan, he's like, can you not tell mom about the Mr. Cushing yet? And Jonathan's like, which part? Where he might fire me because you're a careless idiot or the part where he thinks there's a new superhero in town because you're a careless idiot? And Jordan's like, both. He's like, look, man. He's like, I promise I'll take it easy for a while. So he's like, fine, whatever. Because, you know, he's like, I, I guess mom and dad have an, enough going on. So Jonathan, he's like, whatever. So, you know, again, they're, they're sorting out his clothes down. And Lois asks Jonathan, uh, you know, as he's walking the other room, she's like, are you going to the firehouse today? He's like, uh, no, not this weekend. And then Lois and Clark, they quickly turn to Jordan. And Clark's like, what was that about? And Jordan's like, beats me. And then he, like, walks out. Clark's like, says, it's, it's like pulling teeth sometimes. And Lois like, well, you wanted more kids. And he says that, he's like, you know, you're looking like you're in a better mood or whatever. And, you know, you, you, you want to move back upstairs? And, you know, after the next round of chemo, she's like, yeah, maybe. So it's like, she seemed a little hesitant. So I was like, that's weird. Lana's talking to Sarah about, you know, they're, they're sorting clothes out. She's talking, like, you know, put this here and whatever. Then John Henry and Nat show up with the bag saying, you know, they're doing what they can. And then Lana's like, well, how are you doing? You know, Clark, tell me what happened. You know, the whole Mannheim stuff. Then she asks John, she's like, do you have a minute? She wants to talk to him in, in her office. So he tells Nat, he's like, do not go anywhere. So they, they go in, in Lana's office and Sarah asks Nat, she's like, is it that bad? She's like, dude, he took my phone. He put a tracking device in my bracelet and he made me this. Opens up her jacket and there's like in, in, the, in her jacket pocket or something in there. And Sarah's like, what, what's that? And she's, it's like, basically it's a retractable nightstick that could kill a rhino. And Sarah's like, uh, he's just trying to protect you. She's like, I get it. You know, your boyfriend did turn out to be the, you know, the head of inner gang son. And Nat's like, he's not my boyfriend, at least not anymore. So John Henry tells Lana, cause she's like, how, you know, how, how has it been? How are things going? And he's like, you know, the last few days have been rough. You know, Nat's really torn up about Mateo. And she's like that the woman who attacked us is Mateo's mom. And John's like, yeah. And now she's at the DOD. He's like, I won't feel safe until we have Mannheim locked up as well. She's like, you know, he tried to kill you. Is, isn't that enough to put him away? And John's like, not when you have the kind of lawyers that he does. So she like, she puts her arm on his shoulder because, you know, they're going to hook up. You're like, it's just, it's just eventual, you know, it's going to happen. She's like, you know, you can talk to me, right? And he like kind of like, they lock eyes and he like looks at her. Then his phone buzzes and he like, you know, checks out his phone. He's like, 
do you mind if Nat hangs out with Sarah? He's like, Mannheim wants to talk. So at the DOD, Mannheim is waiting in an interrogation room with like a lawyer. Sam says to Superman and John, he's like, there's no way he's going to admit to anything. So, you know, just find out what he wants. Superman's about to go in and John stops him. He's like, hold on. He's like, I'm running this. He's like, John? He's like, this is more my fight than yours. And then Sam's like, we talked about this. Sam's like, yeah, I agree. You know, Diggle did go to the, you know, John first for a reason. So John Henry goes in and Superman says to Sam, he's like, I think this is a mistake. So when John walks in, it kind of catches Mannheim off guard a little bit. And the lawyer's like, Mr. Mannheim would like to see his wife. He's like, I'm sure. He's like, first, we need everything he stole from the DOD. Superman's blood, the ex-Kryptonite from the Schuster Mines, the Bizarro Corpse. And the lawyer's like, do you have proof he stole these items? He's like, we will. He's like, you don't, nor do you have just cause from keeping my client from seeing his very sick wife. John's like, <laughs> and he said, Bruno's like, your wife is a murderer and a violent superhuman weapon. Bruno gets up and loudly says, like, Pea's dying. And then John, he's just like, mm, he just like kind of shrugs. They give us what we want. So then John's standing, he whispers, he's like, uh, Bruno's like, I will see my wife one way or another. And he walks out. At the farm, Lois is going through her closet and she sees this like, what this like big gala like red dress like sequence dress from when she got her her award or whatever so then there's flashback lois is saying she's not going to the, i think they're called the medis or something like that and clark's like but i got you something so it's it's the fancy red dress and she's like oh she's like this is the first dress that anyone's ever bought for me he's like yeah it's my first one too it's the first one he ever bought for someone and then she's like oh it wasn't cheap so i don't know if she, she saw the, the, the tag or something like the brand and she's like please tell me you didn't sell a kidney he's like no just my baseball card collection she's like grimaces she's like it's like even the carl ripkin rookie card or something like that <laughs> and he's like you're worth more than any rookie card and she's like oh that's the most romantic thing anyone's ever said to me and then she's like do you have enough left to buy a tux he's like i will have to rent one <laughs> if you're asking me to be your date and she's like clark kent will you be my date to the medis and then in the present, Lois tosses a dress in the bed with the other clothes. So it's like, he sold his baseball card collection for this. Superman tells John that he's wrong about this. He's like, we need to let Bruno see Pea. And John's like, not until he meets our demands. He's like, you're keeping a man from his dying wife. He's like, well, they're both murderers. And Superman's like, I know what they've done. Then John's like, then stop letting your emotions play into it. We have leverage here. This is how we get Bruno to do what we want. So Superman says that, you know, he should talk to him. He knows what he's going through. John's like, he'll just use that against you. At the diner, Nat, Sarah, and the boys are, are eating. Nat says she just wants to see Mateo. And Sarah's like, but he must have known about his parents, right? And she, Nat's like, it, it didn't feel like that. You know, he seems surprised. Jordan Supley says, he's like, or oh, he could just be a good actor, you know, having to keep a secret. You get better at it over time. And Jonathan's like, yeah, you're awesome at it. <laughs> uh, Nat says that she's thinking about taking her suit and flying metropolis and sarah's like that's a terrible idea jonathan's like you know maybe you should just forget about him you know his parents are terrible you know maybe it's not meant to be and she's like but you and candace are and jonathan's like that's not the same thing nat's like yeah her dad's a, a drug dealer who stole your truck and punched you in the face and she's like whatever thanks for taking my side and then john henry starts walking up outside she's like oh i gotta go back into lockdown you know, it's like before Jonathan can say anything. He's like, Nat. But she's like, she walks out. And then Jordan Sibley's like, nice one. It's like, dude, you just said that he could be a good actor. You know, Clark tells Lois about 
what John Henry said and Clark says that you know he does feel sorry for Bruno and she says that that's just who he is he sees the best in people even his enemies you know it's one of the things that she loves about him and he says that he loves her too and he goes to try to kiss her but she stops him and she's like I don't I don't feel great right now so she goes in the other room into her bedroom or no I mean I think she goes into the living room she sits on a sofa and then he sees like you know he's a box of clothes and you see like the red dress kind of poking out so he pulls out he's like hey what's this doing in here and she's like i only wore it once it's it's been gathering dust ever since then clark's like okay then we'll find another event she's like that's not the issue he's like lois this is the dress and she's like i don't want to keep the dress clark it doesn't feel right saving it for a maybe when someone else could use it now then clark's like okay yeah you're right he's like i'm sure lana will be happy to take it so you obviously he's hurt but what can you say Bruno walks in his place, gets off the elevator, and Matteo immediately asks, like, how's mom? Is she okay? And he's like, they wouldn't let me see her. And he's like, right, because you're some notorious crime boss. And he's like, we've talked about this. And Matteo's like, more like you've lied to me. And Bruno's like, watch your tone. And he starts walking away. Bruno starts walking away. Then Matteo's like, have you ever killed anyone? Or have you guys ever killed anyone? Bruno turns around and he, he stupidly is like, how can you even ask me that? Your mother and I, we may not be perfect, but everything we've done has been for you and Hobbs Bay. I need you to believe that. But it's like, dude, he, they have killed people. And he's being all high and mighty. Like, how could you say it? And Mateo's like, I just want to see mom. Bruno's like, and you will. Mateo's like, how? The DOD already said no. He's like, you let me worry about that. It's like, ugh. John and Nat are walking down the street and he asks if she's okay. And she's like, oh yeah, I'm great. It's, it's wonderful not being able to you know, walk outside by myself. And he's like, it's just until we deal with Bruno. And she's like, hey, how long is that going to take? Then there's an SUV parked up the road or on the street. The door open, the door's open. Mr. Kurt, a dorky dude, and a couple goons come out. So, I mean, Kara's just like, he's supposed to be this badass dude. He looks like such a dork. I mean, just the way he just stands there. John asks Nat for her her club tells her to stay there he walks towards him and he like swats at, at Kerr. so these are like just it's like electrified baton thing whatever the other guys you know they have their guns out he hits the the, the, the two other ones he smashes the window the boys here in a diner and people are like watching or recording with their phones so the goons decide to leave then he checks on nat and then the others come up and he tells her she's like go to sarah's and do not leave until i come get you and he calls sam he's like we need to end this so Clark brings clothes to Lana, and she's like, Lois really cleaned out her closet. He's like, mm-hmm. And then she gasps at the dress, and she's like, oh, my, this is stunning. He's like, yeah, I surprised her with that years ago. Sold my entire baseball card collection. And she's like, even your Carl Ripken, whatever? And she's like, and she's giving this away? He's, he's like, she thinks that someone else should enjoy it. And she's like, is that all she said? He's like, pretty much. Then Lana's like, her surgery's coming up, right? You know, after her, her chemo, you know, they just have to figure out a date. Then she's like, have you talked to her about it? He's like, oh, just the logistics. You know, and she's like, not how she's feeling. And she's like, Clark, she's about to lose her breasts. He's like, I know. And I want to talk to her about it, but it's her body. And I'm just a guy who's never going to go through this. So I don't think it's really my place to bring it up until she's ready. Lana's like, maybe you should let me. The boys and Sarah are, are, are looking at Nat fuming off alone. Then they're like, oh, it must suck not being able to be with the, the one you love. And like Jordan like says that because so, he, obviously he wants to be with Sarah. So I think it was kind of like a little dig or whatever. But Sarah's like, uh, you know, maybe I should go talk to her. And John's like, no. He's like, this one's on me. 
So he goes up to her. He's like, I'm sorry for what I said at the diner. He's like, you're right. Mateo, he's not his parents. And she's like, it doesn't really matter, does it? You know, after everything that's happened, I'm never going to see him again. And Johnson's like, why not? He's like, you care about him, right? You know he's a good guy. And she's like, my dad would freak out. He's like, so what? My dad was pissed when he found out Candace's dad was dealing XK and she ended up living with us. He's like, you really want to see Mateo? Just make it happen. Lois is lying in her bed downstairs you know, in her little makeshift bedroom. And there's a knock at the door. She's like, come in. Lana comes in with the dress. She's like, can we talk about this? And Lois is like, there's nothing to say. She's like, I don't want anymore. And Lana's like, that can't be true. Lois is like, I don't know what to tell you. And Lana's like, this dress is special. And Lois is like, it was. Lana's like, it is. And then she's like, I can't wear it anymore. And I don't want to talk about it, okay? Lana puts the dress down and sits. She's like, I know chemo has been hell on you, on Clark and your dad, the boys. When all this is all said and done after the surgery, it's your life and your body that will be changed forever. She's like, and I don't want you to feel alone for that. She's like, please just talk to me, Lois. Bruno stares at the security feeds and then he sees someone fly up. He gets up, Superman's there, and he like holds out his hand. He's like, I came to help. Then let me see my dying wife. He's like, the DOD won't allow it unless you give them what they want. Then you flew here for nothing. So it's like basically you're saying you want to keep this stuff rather than actually see your wife. Okay, that's what's more important. So Superman's like, I know how much you love your wife. I saw the way you looked at her, the fear in your eye when she collapsed. You let me take her because in that moment, she meant more to you than anything in the world. It's like how you felt about me, John Irons, none of it mattered. And now Paya needs to see you. She needs to see her son. Give them the missing items before it's too late. And Bruno's like, if these items were to return, you promise we'll get to see her? He's like, you have my word. Then he like hears something. Superman hears something. He's like, this wasn't me. The doors bust open. Several armed soldiers come in and John Henry's there. So they're going through his safe. They're copying his computer hard drives. He's just sitting there, you know, just watching it all. Superman says to John, he's like, we're about to make a deal. And John's like, he still can after we search his apartment. Superman's like, you and I talked about this. Sam's like, wait, you knew Superman was going to be here? John's like, he sent armed thugs to my home, Sam, where my daughter lives. And he's like, I understand, but you're making this personal. And John's like, no, he made it personal by strapping a bomb to my sister, threatening my family. Superman's like, we can't answer a threat with another threat. And Sam's like, that's not how we do things. And John's like, it was my call to make. And Sam's like, I may have let you run point on this, but clearly that was a mistake. He's like, you're done here. And he's like, but Sam, he's like, not up for debate. Go home, John. And Bruno's like watching from the other room. So he's kind of seeing that, you know, this is going down. Lois says, she's like, I've known about the double mastectomy since day one. She's talking to Lana. She's like, now it's all I can think about. What's crazy is I used to hate, hate my boobs. I've had them since I was nine. I would pray at night for them to go away. And Lana's like, I would pray for mine to show up. She's like, it's like, it wasn't until I was 12 that I got one. And Lois like, one? And Lana's like, true story. I had to stuff my bra until the other one caught up. So they talk about like other body things, like stretch marks, celly, like cramps. And this is where it's, it's a little cheesy, a little too like on the nose, but whatever, you know, it's fine. So Lois says that, you know, so much of her life was, you know, she was uncomfortable with her body. Now that she's used to thing, cancer comes to ruin, you know, her, her body. So Lana's like, well, can't you do reconstruction? And Lois says that that's the problem because of the kind of cancer she has. It really depends on how things look after the surgery and the radiation. So it seems every day, you know, she's losing something, her taste buds, her hair, you know, those will come back. 
but her breasts won't. And it's not just about her. She worries about Clark. Lana's like, I'm pretty sure he's the one thing you don't have to worry about. She's like, I mean, he did buy you that dress. So there's a flashback of them like dressed in the car in the limo. She says, uh, she's like, this thing isn't me. She's like, I'm an army brat. And he's like, well, I'm a small town farm boy, but none of that matters tonight. So the limo pulls up to the place and she tells the driver, she's like, we're not going to stay. And Clark's like, no, we are. And then she says that, you know, she's like, I'm in pants all the time. And now I'm in this dress. And he says that, you know, she was meant to wear this dress. And he's like smooth talks about how, how beautiful she looks in her, all this stuff like that. So then in the present, she says that that night, you know, she felt so beautiful and sexy. And, you know, she was there being honored for her mind. And it was empowering. You know, she felt like a woman. And Lana's like, you'll feel that way again. And she's like, you, you don't know that. Lana's like, you still will be you. Lois like, I'll probably feel less feminine. She's like, I barely feel feminine now. I worry about what it'll do to my marriage. And Lana's like, I really think you need to tell Clark how you're feeling. So then we see Bruno in his evil lab looking at Henry Miller and his like back to tank thing. And he's like, wake him up. And Doc's like, are you sure that's a good idea? I said, wake him up. There's something I need him to do. So the kids are all out somewhere and they're like, he's here. Mateo drives up and Nat's like happy or he's so happy to see her. He's like, you know, they talk. He's like, I thought you hated me. And she's like, did you know about your parents? He's like, well, I always heard rumor about my dad. So I guess it wasn't too surprising, but my mom having powers. She's like, I had no idea. It's wild. And Nat's like, you mean terrifying. She nearly killed my dad. And Mateo's like, whoa, maybe it's not that simple. And that's like, seriously. So, and he's like, I mean, well, maybe I don't know everything about my parents, but it's not like your dad's a great guy. And she's like, why would you say that? He's like, because my mom's dying in the, in the DOD and he won't even let me see her. You know, he's using her for leverage over my dad. And Nat's like, I didn't know that. So then Mateo's like, look, Nat, let's not make this about our parents. He's like, I know things are weird and complicated. It was like, but I don't care. I don't care because I love you. And she's like, really? He's like, yeah. 100% without a doubt, you're the only girl who's made me feel like this. And she's like, I love you too. The others are watching and they're like, you know, good idea, Jonathan. And he says that he just felt like a hypocrite. Jordan says that, well, he's not the only one. He's like, I'm really sorry for what I said after the fire. You know, it's really cool what you're doing with Mr. Cushing. And Sarah's like, do you hear that? The sound of ice thawing? And she's like, maybe you two should hug it out so we can all be friends again. They were both like, no, that's okay. He's like, I'm good. And she's like, hug it out. So Jordan spreads his arm. Jonathan chuckles. They hug. And she's like, aw. Then she's like, let me get in on this. So it's a cute moment. Clark comes home. He sees Lois and Lana. They're like laughing over tea. He's like, oh, it looks like you two are having fun. And Lana's like, we're going to have a lot more fun at Lois's party. Lois says that before her surgery, they're thinking of going to Bazoomba's. And Clark like thinks about that. He's like, Oh, the chicken wing place? And they're like, she's like, no one goes there for the food. And Lana's like, they go for there for the waitresses in their tiny tank tops. Then he's like, yep, yep, okay, I just got it. Bazoombas. It's, it's basically supposed to be like Hooters. And then, you know, Lois like, thank you for everything. Lana leaves. And Clark's like, are you serious about Bazoombas? And he, she's like, I am so serious about Bazoombas. It's like, we've been so serious lately. And she's like, speaking of, we need to talk about the dress. So John's in his, his work lab looking at the suit. He's talking to AI about requesting parts from the DOD, you know, the new helmet shield or whatever. And then uh, it says that it's detecting an air projectile, like headed there. And then it's like, smash. Henry Miller's there, busts through the ceiling. He grabs, uh, Henry, John Henry grabs the baton, starts like hitting him, no effect. 
Henry Miller just grabs the baton, snaps it in half. The AI kind of distracts Henry and John runs out. Then Henry swoops out, grabs him, smashes him against the theater ticket booth like across the street, tosses him, you know, in, in the street. And then uh, he's like hitting something on his wrist, but it's like, is it busted? Because it's like not doing anything. Then Henry says, he's like, I was told to make you suffer. Clark is sitting on the sofa with Lois. They talk about the dress. He says that when he saw it in the donations, his heart kind of dropped. And she's like, I didn't mean to make you feel that way. You know, she's like, the night of the gala, the way you looked at me and everything you said, it's like, I felt so beautiful. He's like, you are. To me, you always will be. No surgery will ever change the way I see you. Lois is like, I know that, but how you see me isn't the problem. And then he hears something. He's like, it's John Henry. He's like, I'll be right back. John Henry gets tossed in the street again. You see him, he's like in pain. You know, he's just, he can't even like get up. And Henry Miller walks up to him. He's like, you're nothing without the suit. And then Superman swoops in, gives him like one punch and sends Henry flying. He smashes into car, it explodes, helps John out. And he's, he, he's like, John's like, I'll be okay. So Henry gets up. They both fly at each other. They smash into each other. Shock waves shatter like all the glass, the storefront glass on the, on the street. They start slugging each other. They go up in the air. They're punching. Superman tries his heat vision. They smash down in the street. Makes a big crater. John's like keeps hit tapping his wrist thing, and I'm hitting my wrist for some stupid reason because you can't see that. Then Henry tosses Superman, and he goes like he goes flying like like far away. So John's AI says, you know, something reestablished. And there's a countdown, five, four. So he like stands up and Henry Miller starts like walking towards him. And then John like steps to the side, his hammer smashes into Henry's chest. So then he's like knocked down. John Henry, John picks up the hammer and Superman finally stops like twirling in the sky. You know, he's like stops. He uses vision. He sees that John's about to swing the hammer and he yells. He's like, John, no. He hits him. He goes, he like, like kind of spins like backwards. And he just like falls and Superman arrives and he looks pissed. And John's like, I didn't have a choice. And Superman's like, you always have a choice, but not according to Zack Snyder. <laughs> so basically John Henry killed him, but it was self-defense, but still, I don't know how I feel about that. But yeah, it's like Superman says, you always have to, you don't have to kill him, but you know, he didn't all, he didn't have a suit. He just had a hammer, but still. So DOD have arrived. Henry's put in the back of an ambulance. They, you know, someone pulls a sheet over him. You see, you know, he's bloody. He's because he's dead. Sam says to Superman, he's like, I thought Henry Miller was supposed to be dead. And Superman's like, the last time I saw him, his heart stopped beating. So then Sam's like, so Bruno somehow brings this guy back from the dead, then sends him out to kill John Henry. Lana arrives. She's like, oh, I'm surprised more people weren't hurt. Superman says that Main Street took the brunt of the damage. And Sam's like, we'll have, we'll need to talk about cleanup. And then she asks, she's like, what about John Henry? Is he okay? We see him standing in his place. He's like looking at the hole in the ceiling. Nat walks in. She's like, I'm worried about you. He's like, oh, just a couple scrapes. So I'll be fine. She's like, that's not what I meant. You've been acting weird all week. He's like, I'm just trying to keep you safe. She's like, dad, you killed a guy. And John's like, he was trying to kill me. I'm lucky to be alive. And she's like, and what about Mateo's mom? When will you let him see her? And John's like, how do you know about that? And she's like, because I talked to him. And then it's just like a stare down. She's like, answer the question. And John's like, it's the only way to get Bruno to cooperate. By keeping a dying woman from seeing her family? It's like, dad, you and I watched mom die on TV. What would you have given to have those last moments with her? And John's like, that was different. And she's like, we didn't have a choice. They do. 
Do you really want to be the person that takes that away from them? Mateo comes home. Bruno immediately is like, where have you been? He's like, he's like, I told you not to see that girl. And Mateo's like, I never agreed to that. And he starts walking away. He's like, do not walk away from me. And Mateo's like, or what? You're going to hurt me? Maybe have one of your, your goons, one of your guys do it? And he's like, Mateo, why would you say that? He's like, because that's what you do. You tried to kill Mr. Irons. And because of that, mom's going to die all alone. And I'll never get to see her again. He's like, I'm not ready to lose her. He's like, almost like crying. And Bruno's like, it's okay, son. Your mom's not going to die anytime soon. He's like, come on. You heard the, the lawyer. She has a couple of weeks left, maybe days. You have to accept that. And he's like, I think it's time I showed you what I'm working on. He takes him down to the, the basement creepy lab. And Mateo's like, how long has this been here? Ever since your mom's cancer return. Then he's, he's like in the dark. He's like, is that Superman? Bruno flips on the light switch. He's like, it's Superman at inverse world. Apparently, he tried to stop Allie Alston. And he's like, wait, why do you have him down here? And he's, Bruno's like, because this Superman is how I found a cure to save your mom. Clark flies back to the, the farm. The boys are out on the porch. And he's like, are you guys okay? And Jordan's like, "Is Mr. Did, did Mr. Irons really kill a guy on Main Street? And John says, like, yeah, everyone's talking about it. It's like, we got like a thousand texts. Jordan says that, you know, he's been going overboard lately. You know, is he going to be okay? And Superman's like, I don't know. Then he asks him, he's like, why don't you guys go to your room so I can, you know, talk to your mom? Lois is in her room. She's like looking at the dresses hanging on the back of a door. Flashback to after the event. So I think she didn't win the award. And Clark's like, I'm going to write a letter. You know, Lois Lane should be celebrated. And she's like, and who are you going to send that to? And then she says that she knows, you know, where they should get married. And he's like, we can't afford that's like press hall something place or whatever. She says, but we can't afford your parents' farm. And he's like, really? She's like, yeah, just you and me and our closest friends and family. You know, the place that raised the love of my life. And he's like, my mom's going to be so excited. And she's like, hey, did you really mean what you said earlier? He's like, every word. And she's like, say it again. He's like, I have never seen anyone as beautiful as you are right now. And she's like, how fast do you think you can get this dress off? And then the car divider goes up. Back in her room, Clark walks in. He starts talking and she, you know, he's, she's like, it's fine. He's like, no. He's like, you need to hear this. He's like, when I said you look beautiful in that dress, I wasn't talking about your body. I was talking about you, who you are, your heart, your passion. He's like, Lois, you amaze me and you inspire me every single day. And she's like, you are also talking about my body. He's like, because I love your body and I will always love your body. She's like, even when it's all scarred up, even then. And Lois like, can we at least stop pretending it's not going to be weird? Clark's like, babe, whatever scars you might have, they're just symbols that you survived. That surgery is going to save you. And there's nothing more beautiful than that. Lois like, what if I feel different? You know, what if I don't want to be intimate anymore? And Clark's like, we'll figure it out. She's like, Clark, it's not that simple. Sex is a big part of our marriage. And Clark's like, and when you're ready, so am I. There's not a doubt in my mind that we'll get back to that someday. We're in this together, babe. And I promise you, we're going to come out of this stronger. And Lois like, do you want to cuddle? He's like, yeah. She's like, it may just be cuddling for a while, okay? He's like, all I ever need, babe. Then she's like, do you remember what we did that night when we got home? He's like, yeah. She's like, uh, I'm up for it now. He's like, you mean right now? And she's like, yeah, but we should get dressed up. So it's like, wait, what do they have in mind, huh? Outside, he has like a suit on. She comes out in, in the dress, but she also has a jacket on and like a hat. He's like, wow. He's like, Lois Lane, will you fly with me? 
they soar up in each other's arms. And she's like, I love you, Clark, more than ever. Smooch! As they, like, spin around. And that was the end. So sweet. So let's hope everything works out. So that was the end of the episode. So it was good. Like I said, you know, a little cheesy at times, but there's just a lot, lot of, a lot of good, good aspects to it. Okay, then <laughs> The Flash, Season 9, Episode 13, A New World, Part 4. So this is it. This is the season finale. I'm, oh, I meant to look at, I, I'm really curious what other people thought. I haven't looked up the IMDb or anything like that. I, I shouldn't look at it. Don't want anything to taint my opinion. What I will say, since I usually save this for the end, but I'll say in the beginning, it it, it was an I didn't I didn't I wasn't crazy about it. I didn't love it. It was a fine finale. It does kind of kind of wrap things up, but it doesn't like end things. You know, we still have a flash. Flash doesn't disappear. There's still a flash. There's still others. There or most of the others. Let's say that. So, you know, they're, they're still going to be do, fighting the good fight or whatever. But I, I, I think part of the problem is, is like this Eddie Thon is the villain and the whole negative speed force. It, it, was, it, was, it was just fine. But I, I guess the, the, the bigger bummer is, one, it's, this is the end of the series. So it's, it's not it, to me. It just it didn't quite have the oomph that I would have hoped for. And so not only is this the end of the series, but this is the end of the Arrowverse. And that weight shouldn't really rely on one show in particular, especially, you know, since this is an Arrow. But, yeah, it's just it's it's weird to think that that's it, that there's there's no more. You know, they're not going to go back to it, you know, with the restructuring of the CW and, and all that. So it, it's a bummer. Yeah, whatever. Um, so this one starts off, Cecile. And it, it feels like... Again, they're, they're they're rushing things because of of the the crunch of the you know the lower number of episodes. But I feel like in between someone you know some of the episodes we we've had like a jump and you know like like Keon is all of a sudden just, she's just amping up her her abilities and and all this stuff is happening in between, which is fine. But they're not like fully clear on what's going on. So Cecile tells the rest of the of the of Team Flash that Eddie Thon is the avatar for the Negative Speed Force. I totally forgot. It's like, wait, how does this end last week? Because all of a sudden he's an avatar. He's like, did he even become? It's like she knows everything she's telling her. So, okay, he's he's an avatar for negative speed force. And then Barry calls them and he he's like, yeah, I barely got out of there. So it's like, I always feel like, do I have to go back? It's like, how did he, I, I guess last time he he got, he does disappear. So he's he's running from somewhere. My question is, where the heck is he running from? <laughs> Because he's just, he's running, he's a flash. He's the friggin' fastest man alive. He's running. He 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 can go across the, the country or whatever in a split second and pick up bagels or eat. Or he went to like, didn't he go to France or something like that, get some bagels or baguettes or something for Iris? And so he's just running. He calls him and he's like, is there any damage to the timeline? So I guess they can do, 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 just you know, look this up on a computer. Hey, Google or hey, Siri or hey, hey whoever. Is there any any structural damage to the timeline? Apparently, um, Chester's like, oh, no, no temporal fr- fracturing yet. <laughs> so they have a temporal fracturing timeline detector somehow, which is just amazing. The, the, the science that they, they've they've built. So Barry's like, well, it started in 2049, and so it could spread here. But again, where the heck is he running from? He's having this whole conversation, and he, he's he's not even there yet. 
I just, I don't understand. And then we see, and so we see these friggin' blue flowers. There's blue flower. Then um, at first, I so it, it's back at, um, I'm pretty sure it was at, at Joe's old house. And it, But everything's like red, so it's hard to see. So you see someone, I thought it was Eddie in the beginning. I was like, wait, he looks a little different. No, it was Hunter Solomon. So it's like Zoom. He's he's screaming because he's in his black flash suit. He's like screaming. You see, like he kind of turns like skeletal flash, whatever. But again, everything's red, so it's kind of hard to see. Then he yells, he's like, "Flash, what did you do?" He's like, "Is this some sort of prison?" And then who? Someone else shows up. Friggin' Godspeed, which I I thought he was just kind of a big wiener. He's like, who dares interrupt my revenge? And he's just like posturing and whatever to, to Hunter. Hunter's like, well, obviously you have no idea who you're threatening. And then Godspeed is like, why am I here? And then Hunter's like, well, why should I know? So then they they figure out the Flash must have put him there. Then Reverse Flash pops up out from upstairs. So we see uh, Tom Cavanaugh. He he pops up. He's like, welcome to the negative speed force, fellas. And they both recognize him. So then they think he's responsible for helping Flash defeat him because, you know, uh, Harrison Wells, whatever some versions did and stuff like that. But Thon, so he's like, he's like, oh, I'm an admirer of both your work. But and then he's, he starts mocking Hunter by pretending, you know, he he pretended to be Flash's ally. He's like, oh, that was a play. That was from my playbook, whatever. And then Godspeed says some stuff about being a god of speed. And then Savitar materializes. It's like, when was Savitar? Was that like season three? I don't even remember when it when it was. So he's like, I'm the true god of speed. And he demands to know who brought him here. And then you hear, I did. So Eddie Thon's there. He's like all smiley. Then Eobard's like, what the hell? He's like, boys, meet Eddie Thon, the dumbest branch on my family tree. Because he's always whispering. And so Eddie tells him that they've all died. That he's trying to put them in like in their place or something like that. Because he's like, turns out none of you were powerful enough or fast enough to defeat the Flash. Then he opens his palm and shows like the blue crystal. He's like, together we can do what none of you on your own could. And Eobod asks, he's like, and how does a complete waste of a human being such as yourself plan on defeating the Flash? And he's like, like this. Closes his his hand around the crystal and he closes his eyes. <laughs> and now he has like a silly costume with the crystal on his chest. The I'm sorry. Some of the costumes just look cheesy. They look very rubbery, just very, I don't know. He's like, you want more speed? I'll help you get it. Enough to kill the Flash. Now who's in? And and then they all kind of like starts like smirking and like fist in the hand and just like kind of like not, not necessarily flexing, but just like, oh, yeah. And then opening credits, New World Part 4 finale. So then we go to Central City Hospital. Iris is like standing, you know, she's in her, you know, she's in, in labor. Barry arrives and she's like, oh, you made it. And he's like, how's the baby? And she's like, you know, contraction of two minutes apart, you know. Then he's like, there's something you must know. He's like, the negative speed force chose a new avatar. And she's like, who? Then Eddie arrives. He's in his new costume. Uh, he has a, like a, a bouquet of blue roses. He's like, hope I'm not interrupting. And Iris is like, oh my God, Eddie? He's like, it's cobalt blue. <laughs> cobalt blue. <laughs> now, I'm not Eddie anymore. I'm cobalt blue. <laughs> you can call me Cobe. I don't know. <laughs> Barry warns him. He's like, oh, don't take one step closer. And Eddie's, or cobalt blue. He's like, I'm not here to fight. I'm here to say congrats. And Iris, he's like, how are you alive? And Barry says the negative speed force brought him back and turned him against them. And 
Cobalt Blue, Eddie, he's like, it showed me the truth, and it gave me the power to kill Barry and end his bloodline forever. <laughs> and then he just takes the roses and he puts them like in a pitcher of water that's like meant for Iris to drink, but he's like, you hear some, you know, whatever plants in here. And, and he's like, Eddie, you, 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 if you kill me, you kill the speed force too. And he's like, exactly. And without the speed force to bind it together, the timeline will fail. And then I'll make a new one where I'm the hero. I just want my life back. And Iris is like, the negative speed force is a dark force of nature. Why would it want to help you? And, and Barry's like, it doesn't. It just wants to grow unchecked without the positive side. And Eddie's like, it saved my life. It wants me to win. And I'll be the one with the family. Iris like, this isn't you. You're a good man. Let us help you. And Eddie's like, you could have helped me before. Instead, you looked the other way. Now, any last words? <laughs> Here it comes. Here it comes. Iris is like, I've got three. <laughs> run, <laughs> I can't even say it. Run, Barry, run. <laughs> oh my God. At least they didn't say anyone was leveling up, if you remember that, that, that whole thing. So ugh, Barry starts running and Eddie's following. And the reason I, I ugged this is it just looks so cheesy when they do that. They're, the way they run, they're running in slow motion. They're supposed to be going super fast. You see, it's, it's just, it's so CG, it's so fake. And, and, and they do it all the time, even though I'm sure it's like, it, it's costly. Because it's the same thing that happens. So Barry changed into costume in that split second, of course. Uh, you know, he could have taken, you know, been halfway around the, the country, the world, or what, I don't know. So he changes costume. They're running side by side. They're throwing energy at each other. We've seen this so many times, so many times. It's the same thing over and over again. Then Eddie, Eddie makes this energy spear, and Barry suddenly makes an energy spear as well. Is, is this a coincidence? Why are they both making energy spears? <laughs> then they charge at each other. And Barry gets hit the wrong way. He goes flying back. He skims across a bunch of parked cars. And as he hits each one, they're like blowing up. So I guess the, I don't know why they're blowing up. Energy impact. He's not like hitting the gas tanks. I don't know. But then he's on the ground. And then he, Flash starts, 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 starts begging. Because, you know, uh, Eddie's right there. He's like, Eddie, please don't do this. And Eddie goes to zap him. But then Flash disappears. And Eddie just like zaps a trash can. Nora arrives. So Barry's future daughter, Nora, arrives. And I have to say, she's probably like my favorite speedster. Uh, 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 no offense, Barry. <laughs> but there's something about Nora, I, even though sometimes she can be cheesy with the stuff. But anyways, so she arrives. I'm, so I'm glad she's here for the last episode. Screw a Wally because it can't even bother showing up again. So Nora arrives, zip Barry out of there. And she's like, when Grammy Cecile calls from 25 years in the past, you answer. And then somehow the others are there in that same exact spot. How they all knew to get there, maybe she brought them there. I don't know. Because Keon's there, Mark's there in his jacket with no shirt underneath, Allegra's and Cecile, they're both wearing like costumes or, you know, uh, Allegra has like a black outfit, like leather outfit or spandex, whatever it is. And Cecile's like in her blue costume, her uh, virtue costume, and she's got her little mask. So they're all standing, posturing. They're not doing anything. I guess they're just waiting for Eddie to attack them, which is like, okay. And then he's like, oh, looks like the gang's all here. And Barry's like, it's over. You can't beat us all. And Eddie's like, I don't have to. You have your team, but me? He holds out his hand, and like blue portals start opening up. I've got a legion. Now they're all just standing there doing nothing, and it cuts a commercial. It's like, oh my gosh. Eobard says, 
you think I was going to miss out on how this ends? And Hunter's like, we're going to end your legacy forever. And Keon's like, no, you're not. And that's your only warning. And Godspeed's like, ooh, I like her. But honestly, you don't stand a chance in hell. And Savitar's like, tonight we change the future. And then Eddie's like, last chance to surrender, Flash. And then he's like, execute Delta maneuvers. He runs and Eddie follows. Keon teleports herself and Mark away. Um, Allegra, like Blue Smokes, teleports. And then Cecile does this crazy thing. She like, she flies away. It's like, zhoo, zhoo. I, I'm assuming she's using t- t- her developing telekinesis. When the heck did she learn to fly or levitate herself and move at such a velocity? So it's like, what the heck? And then it turns into this big, giant CG mess of everyone running and tacking. Then somehow Savitar grabs Nora from behind and like, like lifting her up, like holding her by the back of her neck or something like that. And it's like, your mother escaped her fate, but you won't. And then whoosh, he, in, he impales her from behind. I'm like, what? But somehow, like the blade is vibrating, maybe she is. She like snaps it off, and you know, it's because it's sticking out her front. She just like snaps it, but it, there's no bits left inside of her. So I don't know, maybe she somehow broke it from further behind her. So she snaps it, and then somehow she breaks free of the hold. So maybe she's again vibrating. So she gets out of the hold, she goes back behind Savitar and stabs him in the back, and then he like falls. And then she's like, shway, <laughs> shway. There's more running. Entire city seems to be deserted. There's like no one on the streets. There's no one driving. There must have been like a warning, like, hey, get, get lock, go in your basement, do hide in the closet. So I don't know. So Eddie's like trying to hit Barry. Godspeed yells at someone. He's like, so much, you know, show yourself because there's no one there. Then Cecile's in his mind. And she says that I can feel how afraid you are. You're afraid that you can't beat me. And then he's like, oh, yeah, blah, 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 blah. He, like, splits into, like, multiple copies of himself. They move to attack her, but she manages to telekinetically knock each one. She just holds her hand up. <clears throat> They're done. <clears throat> They're done. And it's, it's like, one, how is she fast enough to do that? And what is she doing? Or maybe they're slamming into a telekinetic wall. I don't know. And then Godspeed's like, so you beat my copies, but I'm the real deal. And I'm just like, wow, this dialogue. Oh, my goodness. He's like, the one true god of speed. And then she touches her temple, and then her eyes glow, and then Godspeed glows, and then he's in pain, he falls to his knees, he passed out. <laughs> just like that. Barry, the Flash, cannot beat her. She just does a Professor X move. Done. And that's what I call mind over matter. <laughs> uh, so Chester's watching on the computer. He's like, now that's how you do it, people. Woo! But then somehow Eobard's sitting behind him, even though he the computer said he was like with Allegra because it's like showing like who's paired up with who. And then Chester like gets scared. Then Eobard like spins around. He's just standing. He just kind of almost does like swirl. He's like, oh, I like what you've done with the place. And and Chester's like, oh, we'll find a way to stop you. And he's like, maybe, maybe not. But either way, red lightning, Emperor Zap. And Chester's like getting toasted. And he's like, just so you know, just so you're aware of the whole timeline of events here, after I kill you, I'm going to kill your boss because I don't care what any upgraded ancestor of mine might say. Barry Allen's life is mine to take, and so is yours. And then it's like, holy crap, did he just kill him? The, 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 he, he got killed. No more party people's talk. And then Allegra appears, and she like zaps Eobard, 
he's out. <laughs> and then she runs to Chuck. Chuck, Chuck. <laughs> Hunter and Keon, they end up in this tunnel and Keon kind of seals the tunnel behind her with like blue smoke energy or something like that. The CCPD have blocked blocked the the front of it with, and they're like they're standing there with like uh, you know Kramer's there and uh, Singh, and uh, they have like big rifles. I'm assuming they're like anti-meta rifles or something like that. And they're like right on cue. Keon called it, and they're like get your hands in the air, zoom. This is your only warning. He's like, oh, you brought me more police officers to kill. Barry and Eddie, they smash into... Oh, this is funny. So before this even happens, you hear like the worker at Jitters, like he just looks, everyone down. He must have like spider sense or something like that. Because Barry and Eddie, super high speed. They're probably like like 100 miles away when he, he said that. They smash through Jitters. Then Eddie threatens a couple of employees with his energy sword. <laughs> it's like, oh, you're, you're so such a manly villain. In the tunnel, Zoom starts like running circles, like like on a, the ceiling and a wall, just like going around and around and around. And he's kind of moving towards Keown and Mark. And then he finally stops. He sends a zap of energy at them. Keown like puts her hand up and kind of catches it in her palm. She's like struggling. She's just like kind of taking it. just going in her hand. And then she manages to send it back at Zoom. He gets knocked back. And Chilblain was basically worthless. He's just sitting there with his gauntlets, like like he's like waiting player two on a video game, just like standing there, like doing nothing. <laughs> then Kramer, Keown, Mark, and does this I forgot the other officer, her name, and and seeing they're all standing there, like they're pointing their guns. Keown's just got her hands down, and uh, Mark's got his gauntlets up there. It's like, and Zoom's just laying on the on the ground. Eobard gets gets up. Isn't this sweet? Not only do I get to kill your boyfriend, I get to kill you wearing the face. Uh, and he waves his hand around. Of your old mentor, Nash. She gets up. She's like, Thon, stop talking. And an energy flows from her. Just like weighs out. Just like, like whoosh, just pretty much smashes the entire room. And then she's like, wake up, Chuck. Wake up. Please wake up. Please, please, please. So it's like, holy crap, they killed him. And he's just laying there. Just laying there. And then, guess what? <gasps> and she's like, Chuck, you came back to me. Always. <laughs> Smooch. <laughs> and then uh, stupid Eddie's like, I don't want to hurt them, Flash. He's the, the Jitters employees. He's like, and I won't if you surrender and let me kill you. <laughs> yeah, just let me kill you. It's like, that's, that's the only thing you can do. So it's like, what a lame piece of crap. <laughs> and then, then Eddie's energy sword gets like zapped and like sucked away. By Jay Garrick. It's like, wait, what? He just somehow, like a vacuum, just sucked up his energy. And he's just standing there with his fists on his hip, like superhero pose, smiling. I say, wait, how did he do that? And Eddie's like, you stole my speed? Here's how he did it. Oh, just another trick I learned from my Earth-90 doppelganger. And he's like, I'd stay down if I were you. Eddie's like, I won't let it end like this. I just need more speed. The blue crystal glows. The Cecile's like standing over Godspeed, and then like red energy flows out of him, out of his unconscious body, goes straight up in the sky. And she's like, Whoa. Allegra and Chuck are still kind of smooching. And then they see the red energy flow out of Eobard's body. Uh, energy flows out of Savitar. Uh, Nora is still just standing by him. Eddie holds his hands out. He's just taking it in. And Jay's like standing there. It's only, he's got his metal hat. He's holding it on front. It's almost like a shield. He's like, That is the tiniest shield ever. And Barry's like, Eddie, stop. And Eddie's like, not until I'm the fastest man alive. And then I'll be the hero, Flash. Energy like flows out of Zoom. 
and then then Eddie disappears. And Jake is commenting about the comments about the lightning, red lightning in the sky. Barry's like, it's it's temporal fracturing. The whole timeline is unraveling. And Jay says that well, if he keeps absorbing that energy, he'll overload and kill himself. And Barry's like, just like Thon did. So Keon and Mark arrive at Jitters. Jay mentions that the only way to defeat the negative speed force is just just to let him absorb too much and kill himself. And Mark's like, okay, let's do that. And Barry's like, he's a hero. He saved my life. I won't let him die again. And then you see, but he wants to go into the negative speed force. Mark comments, he's like, but we, you could save the whole universe or you just want to you know, risk it all for one guy. And Barry is like, yells in his face, my wife's in the hospital right now. She's about to give birth to my daughter. I'm trying to save the timeline and Eddie's life. It's like, dude, uh, Barry is just, he, he gets a little unhinged. <laughs> Jay tries calming him and it's like, you know, as hard as it sounds, that may be impossible. Then Keon's like, I can get you into the negative speed force, just like matter of fact. So again, it's just crazy. Like, oh, wait, there's a negative speed force? Sure, I can get you in. No problem. It's like, oh, you want to go to the new exclusive club? Yeah, I can get you in. So she's like, but what are you going to do once you're there? And he's like, stop Eddie from killing himself. She's like, that won't work because it'll just pick a new avatar. He's like, then what am I supposed to do? And he's, he's like constantly, he's like, he's like being a baby. I'm, I'm sorry. And she's like, you need to change his point of view. He's like, how? And he's just like a pouting child, like arguing with her. And so it's like, all he's doing is like yelling at everyone. And, you know, he's been battling evil for like the past nine years. Because he, he's like, you know, he wants a better world for everyone. But he doesn't know how to do it. <laughs> and she's like, what if there was another way to go forward? You know, the more that she embraces who she is, the more she sees the natural order of things. So it doesn't just have to be, you know, just life or death. Nature is more than just balance. It's about coexistence, all things living together, not in conflict, but like mutual trust. He's like, well, coexistence is impossible. Then she's like, well, then you need to believe in the impossible because it's the only way to build a better world. So it's like, come on, Barry. So then I said uh, at Barry and Iris's loft, there's like tons of r red energy. Eddie's just like standing here taking it all in. It's like, where is this, all this extra stuff coming from? I don't know. Barry calls out to him. Then, then he just runs and tackles him. They smash into a coffee table. Eddie's just like stands and like the energy stopped. He's like, what have you done? And he's like, your connection is killing you. Liar. And he zaps Barry. He's like, you just want it all for yourself. And Barry's like, I'm trying to save you. They're more arguing. Eddie like kicks him and starts smashing him into things, you know, smash into a picture. He's like, I hate you. <laughs> Sounds like, like Anakin Skywalker type thing. <laughs> he hits him, like throws him to furniture. Barry's like, don't you see what's happening? He's like, you've turned into the person that you died trying to stop. Cause there's like a flashback when, you know, he was fighting Eobard. And then he gets lost in glimpses of, of Iris and him and Barry for some reason. He's like, Barry, or Barry's like, you have to remain the avatar. It's like, you are the answer. Thawne gave in to the hate, but you can fight it. That's how we'll create a better world. Both sides working together. And then Eddie pulls off the blue crystal and he like throws it in the ground and he like stomps it. The red lightning disappears and is replaced by blue light. So he's like, one avatar to another. Just because I'm doing this doesn't mean we'll always see eye to eye. We're still on opposite sides. So just like that, it's over. He convinced him. Great, great um, argument there, Barry. He totally nailed it. Barry extends his hand, then Eddie takes it. He's like, tell Iris I'm happy for her. Barry nods and then disappears. Then he's at the hospital, and the nurse is like, oh, hello, Daddy. <laughs> You're just in time. At Star Labs, Chester, Allegra, and Mark, they're kind of celebrating because the red lightning is gone. 
Barry saved the world, yay. <laughs> then then she asks Chester or Chuck, she's like, How you feeling? He's he's lying on a sofa. He's like, oh, I'm a little hungry, but also normal, normal, normal. That he, he must be like the most annoying guy to date if he, he's doing crap like that. If he's calling people people party people and doing his echoing thing. It's like no. Mark comments how Chester took all that blasting and doesn't have a scratch on him. He's like, I think I know why. He's like, your blood is generating Hawking radiation on a molecular level. Chester's like, oh, that's the same kind of energy you find in a black hole. So Mark thinks that like back in the day when his consciousness bonded with that black hole, and I think I missed that episode because I, I vaguely I saw the tail end of it or something. So when his consciousness bonded with the black hole, some of the cosmic energy bonded back with him. And Chester's like, does that mean I have black hole powers now? And he, then he gets up, does his this dance. He calls himself a crunk or something. I forget what it was. And he's like, he's like, does this mean I could be a superhero now? Cecile comes in. She's like, we have to go. It's like, shut up, Chester. We have to go. The baby's coming. So everyone's in a weight room. Joe's there. I'm so, I'm so glad he was there. I thought he wasn't going to make it. But the, Norris is there. And then Norris like, am I breaking timeline rules just by being here? And Chester and Mark are like, uh, yeah, maybe just a little bit. Yeah, we, it's okay. So then... Uh, then after you know they're all kind of celebrating or whatever then like kind of like behind the like the sofa where they're all sitting like this green energy like produced wells is there and he's you know keon's like standing back there and she stands at him she's like you're a wells and he's like yeah nice to meet you then she's like did you travel across the cosmos just to be here for barry and iris and he's like not just for them the negative speed force threat is gone it's time for you to ascend to become the natural order's protector of all things. It's like, why, why is he in charge of this if he's just a Nash? And she's like, I have to say goodbye to my family. She's like, I know it's a natural order of things, you know, like winter turning to spring and blah, blah, blah. And and he's like, yeah, it's 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 never easy or something like that. Then we see Iris is screaming, blah, Nora's born. And she's, it's a huge baby. <laughs> she looks pretty big for a newborn. So then later, Joe's holding Nora. He tells Iris, he remembers when she was that size, holding her for the first time and bringing her home. He's like, you're not my baby girl anymore. And then, then Nora starts crying. crying. She's like, oh, I can take her. But then he just gets up, starts singing to her. And then for some reason, Iris gets flashbacks of her and Barry while while Joe's singing. I don't know, know why. <laughs> Keon, then later, you know, in the, the, the big, whatever, the one room in the Star Labs, the, the, the central whatever room, I forget what it's called. She says goodbye to Allegra, to Chester, to Barry, Cecile, Mark. Mark's, Mark's like almost in tears. He's like, thanks for never giving up on me. But then he's like, fine. <laughs> After that, he's like, there's no tears at all. And he's like, well, what, where are you going to go? Or what's what's next for you or something like that? She says that there's a natural order of things. Her time in this mortal body is done, so but she will always be with them. And then she turns into this like bright swirl of energy and just like goes up. And they're like looking and her can barely, you know, see because it's so bright. And then Caitlin's back. So she returned Caitlin to her rightful place. Barry hugs her. He's like, oh, I never thought I'd see you again. Then it cuts a week later. There's a party at the loft. And uh, new Nash is there. <laughs> it's like, okay, did he even talk to anyone? Barry comes up to Caitlin. He's like, you know, how we left things. Like, I'm sorry. And they're saying some stuff. And she's like, oh, don't be, you know, what I was doing to bring Frost back was unnatural. And, you know, talking about Keown with the or natural order of things or whatever. And we see Nora holding Nora, which again, that, does, that seems like breaking huge rules. Barry and Iris say that they're glad that she's there. Both of her, Nora's like, it's like, oh, but you think the 24 hours before I was born was crazy. Wait until Bart's due date. And Iris just mutters, she's like, great. 
So Joe wants to make a toast. He starts talking about, you know, Iris giving birth and she also won a Pulitzer. And then he brings up Cecile, you know, um, that, you know, she's a superhero and the best mother Jenna could have, which is also why he wants to do this. He pulls out a ring box and she's like, wait, are you what? She takes a pillow, throws it down for his knee. He proposes and she's like, finally, which I didn't realize that they weren't married. I totally forgot. I guess they never did get married, which again, they don't need to, but I just, I just assumed for some reason. Later, Nora's crying, and Barry's like, I'll take her. And she's like, talk to her. She likes your voice or something like that. So he's like, oh, let me tell you a story. He's, he's like, but I need you to stop crying, and I need you to believe in the impossible. He talks about being fast, faster. The faster he goes, the world slows, slows down. When he was a kid, he lost the people he loved most, so he won't let that happen to her. Her mother and him are they're doing the impossible. Maybe the speed shouldn't belong to just them anymore. Oliver said the lightning chose him, but maybe it's time to share. And we see him like run out past like Ferris airstrip, whatever, like the, the place where the, the Justice League have their headquarters in that old hangar place, I guess. And then he just like throws some lightning in, in the sky. And so I guess he shared it with some people with Avery Ho. So if, from the comics, you know, these people, Avery Ho, Max Mercury, Just Chambers. And he, he talks about making a better world where they can all coexist, a world where anything is possible as long as they believe in it. And that's the end. That's the end. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just, it, I, I think it's because they cut the season short. Not that I want, want this to drag on, but I just feel like some things could have been flushed a little more, but that's just how it is. So that, that was it for The Flash. It, um, I don't know how I feel about it. I mean, you know, lately things haven't been super great. I almost think I'm enjoying Gotham Knights more than I've been enjoying The Flash, which I, I part of me, I wish I was talking about Gotham Knights, but I feel like it's too late now. But I, I am, I am literally watching it. I watch the show, but see, I, I watch it after a fact. I, watch, I usually watch it like Saturday mornings. That's a, that's that's like my Saturday morning ritual now is, is watching Gotham Knights. It's it's it's, it's so cheesy and fun. <laughs> so that was The Flash. Um, that's it. I got nothing more to say about it. It's it's over. So thanks for nine years. Seriously, it hasn't been great the entire nine years, but I've been, you know, dedicated to the show, you know, whether it's nostalgia or whatever. I'm so thankful for the times I've been able to interview the cast. Super sweet. You know, Cisco, I, he's the nicest guy. You know, he, he it's, it's unfortunate he was in this episode, but yeah, so that's it. Okay, with Nasilo. So as I mentioned, I really wanted to do episode 103 and 104 i'm i'm so bummed that i just didn't get around to watching it so hopefully next week i can do two and then we'll be semi caught up um we'll we'll see because uh yeah if i do four because i wait what just came up i i can't even, anyways moving on so we're doing episode three you should be watching the show because as i mentioned earlier it got renewed so there's it's it's not going away right away so episode three machines this this was kind of a stressful episode. So it starts off, we see, you know, Juliet hanging on a rope and then she climbs back up. You know, she was trying to go down to whatever, cause uh, George wanted her to go down below, but she's supposed to go in the water. It's like what it, so she climbs back up she takes a drink, whatever. She puts George's watch on and she's thinking about him. She drinks some more. She's just like drinking like alcohol. Uh, the mayor stands out like on the, the, the walkway or whatever. She's looked at by like a, uh, 
man and woman couple, you know, some levels up. So it's like, wait, are these judicial people? Like, are they keeping tabs on her or whatever? Marnes comes and meets her, and she jokes that he looks tired already because, you know, they're going to walk down to, to the lower levels to see uh, Juliet. So she was hoping to meet Juliet before he keels over. So they're just, like, joking with each other or whatever. They start walking down. Juliet gets woken up by her one friend. What was her name? Shirley? No. Maybe? No. Anyways, um, she gets it's a co-worker friend. She says that, you know, she's late, you know, and she's like, how'd you get in? She's like, your door was open. So Juliet's hungover. And, you know, then she wants to know what's going on. Then things start shaking her. She's like, oh, my fix is failing. So she they start heading down there. Mayor sees uh, the judicial doorway. So they're at this one level, whatever. So she suggests that they stop for some water from their packs. Then uh, Marnes asks if she wants to go and say hello to the judge. So she, you know, she's like, well, that's fine, whatever. But then he's like, oh, but you do want her goons to be sure and see you standing here or something like that. So Julia and her friend, they, they run to the generator. And she's yelling at um, her shadow coop. She's like, just get out. And he's like, well, how am I supposed to learn? She's like, no, enough. And then, then she punches him in the face. And and her her supervisor dude the, the boss he 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 sees this and then he talks to her after he asks if, if she wants to tell him what's going on and she's like you told Cooper to go in and he asks he's like well am I supposed to wait for you to wake up and and he's like a really incredible smell by the way and he's like you know she's like you know my rules he's like your rules he's like last I heard I'm head of mechanical and you're my shadow he's like though I can't remember the last time you actually listened to me she's like only I go through the hatch. And so he's like, so you feel okay about Deccan Coop, Jules? He's your shadow. The kid fudging worships you. She's like, it's my job to make sure it's running. And he's like, and you care so much that you showed up two hours late. She's like, we're putting off the inevitable. We have to shut it down and make a real fix. He's like, Jules, I can't be the first guy in history of the silo to, put, to shut the generator down. And she's like, it's better that it happens on our terms with the backup running than with the rotor shattering. And he's like, even an hour in darkness will be utter chaos. She's like, that's nothing compared to what's going to happen. And he's like, Jules. And she's like, it's better that it happens on our terms than the roar sh rotor shattering. He's like, I'll tell you what. We'll have the discussion tomorrow when you're not hungover or still drunk. He's like, go home, wash out, wash off whatever I'm smelling, and take your punishment. He's like, you punched Cooper in the face, so you either got to do a day in a trash line or work off some tickets with walker or something like that she's like can i just let him punch me back so the mayor goes to see bernard uh tim robbins character she gives him a bottle of booze and he says that it's like oh you must really want something and she says that she might need a little help with their friend in the robe and he's like judge meadows he's like no you're gonna need a lot a lot of help her office messaged him and said that she neglected to stop by so it's like right away, you know, so she was in the, the judge's whatever place. So in his office, mayor is like, do you want Paul Billings to be sheriff? And he's like, mayor, you know me. It doesn't matter what I want. And she's like, you just run the numbers. And he's like, which tell me that Paul Billings is the most favorable candidate. And then um, I think Marnes is like, is that for the silo or is that for you, for you or, or, or for IT? And then the judge is like, well, what did your number say about Holston? And he's like, they said that he'd be a great sheriff, which he was until he wasn't. So judge, our mayor is like, I wonder what your numbers say about me. And he's like, fudge numbers. He's like, you brought brandy. And she's like, well, what did they say about Juliet Nichols? And, you know, she's in engineering and mechanical. Bernard's like, I know who she is. She's like, I don't need her numbers. She's a thief. And Mars is like, her record's clean. 
And Bernard's like, she stole four boxes of H57 tape reserved for IT. And the mayor's like, she stole tape? And Bernard's like, not just any tape, heat tape that we use to prevent our servers from cooking. And honestly, the problem isn't what she stole. It's the fact that she stole it all. So then she's like, Bernard, she was Holston's pick. And Bernard's like, mayor, you can't seriously consider her. Then he's like, deputy? And the mayor's like, it doesn't matter what he thinks. And Mars like, I'm just the escort. Mayor's like, I don't like judicial's choice being shoved down my throat. And Bernard comments that, you know, bringing a bottle of brandy won't help win a turf battle with Judge Meadows. So she says, well, it's good brandy. And he says it could be from the before times for all he cares. He gives more numbers by saying like every hour to silos without a sheriff, the probability of catastrophe increases by one point. So while they're sitting there chit-chatting, frightened citizens are arming themselves because they don't know who's going to protect them. And Billings is a good choice for the sheriff. At this point right here, it's like, ooh, I don't like Bernard. You know, he, he was kind of, he, he was a little icky when he was talking to Allison when he unpublished her story about recovering deleted files. But now it's like, ugh. They continued. The mayor is greeted by several at the end of the mids. And she says that, you know, she wanted them to, to, she wanted to look them in the eye and remind them how important they are. So they're all like happy to see her and everything like that. Then she says that she has to go down below, but she's not leaving before she sees the babies. So she also turns out that one of the doctors is actually Juliet's father. So they, they tell him that they want to talk to him about her. And he's like, is she all right? The mayor says that she's being considered for a new position, just, you know, standard vetting. Marnes asks, like, he asks, how come, you know, she's so many, you know, she's, she's way down deep and, and, and the lower levels. The mayor's like, it's unusual for someone born in the mids with a doctor for father to end up in mechanical. And he's like, well, the, the you know, the, the loss, um, I think the loss of her mom was, was hard on her or something like that. And, you know, she was always good with, with machines. So he thinks it felt good for her to be able to fix something. And, you know, she was young, but she, he supported her decision to go. So she was 13. The mayor is like, when was the last time you spoke to her? And he's like, well, it's been a while because, you know, he has new babies every week and she has a generator. So he can't get there and back on his day off and he needs a day to rest. So he says that he has to go deal with the breach, you know, baby right now. So the mayor says to Marnes, he's like, more questions than answers. Juliet talks to her lady friend. I think her name was Martha. I keep forgetting. And uh, she says it's you know hard to describe the feeling. She insists that it wasn't that she was scared. You know, she finally, but then she finally is like, yeah, okay, I, I was scared. You know, there was so much water, more than she'd ever seen. But more so, you know, George left her all these clues and she couldn't go down there. So she's like pissed. She's pissed off. And her friend, like her Martha, she's like so pissed off that you took it out on Cooper. And Julia's like, I don't want to talk about Cooper. You know, she doesn't know what she wants. So the lady's like, well, it's okay if you feel like, you know, you just want to run away. And, you know, it's like, we're doing what we can. Julie gets mad when she says we, you know, like we're doing what we can. She's like, you just sit there and you haven't left your workshop in 20 years. And she like storms up. Marnes and the mayor are sitting. He talks about his first arrest. And she asks if he's going to miss a job because he's going to retire. And he says that it's time. He might try opening a stall to sell his drawings to anyone desperate enough to want them. She says that you know, she doesn't know what she's going to do. You know, she was hoping Holston would take over for her. Then Sims gives her, you know, he comes up. So Sims, common, he walks up and he gives, him, gives her a strawberry pie. Compliments of Judge Meadows. Strawberries fresh from the farm. And he's like, if you haven't tried this, don't. One bite can be habit forming. 
And she asks if this is supposed to intimidate her. And he's like, dessert? No. He's like, I wanted to make sure you, and then anything, she's like, anything swimming in that much sugar is bad for the heart. And Sims is like, then I blew it. It was supposed to be a friendly gesture. And, you know, you didn't stop by and see the Judge Meadows or something like that. And she's like, I didn't know I was supposed to. Sims is like, Mayor, the second Holston went out, the clock started on finding his replacement. I understand why you'd want to pay Holston the respect of at least meeting with his pick. So then she's like, oh, Bernard told you I see. And he's like, there really isn't time. Paul Billings is a good choice. He's a family man, dedicated, hardworking, smart. He cares about the people. And Mayor's like, Mr. Sims, I'll make my decision when I've completed my trip. Then he just nods. Then he asks Mars, he's like, do you want the dessert? And he's like, nah, I'm good. So Sims, you know, picks it up. He takes off one of the strawberries and just like, starts eating. Juliet's thinking about George. She looks back at his note. She like feels like the railing shaking. So she goes back down to the generator and the, the, the gauge is like in the red. So it's like, it's about to overheat or blow up or something. Barnes, Mayor, and Hank, the other deputy from the lower levels, they're getting close and they can feel like something's up. So they walk into Juliet bo- Juliet's boss's control room and he says like, oh, everything's under control. Then the mayor asks like, is it supposed to sound like that? And he's like, no, ma'am. Juliet arrives at the generator and she's told that the fix is failing again. And she's like, she's like listening to see like, you know, listening to how it sounds. The mayor sees Juliet down there and the boss excuses him. And he yells out for her. She tells him that the vibration has changed. It's shifted all this time. The vibration has been moving. And so she's, she starts to open it. Coop wants to help, but then, you know, the boss yells at people to clear out, tells Coop that he's her shadow. They can't have them both there if it goes sideways. Because like if, if something blows up, you can't lose both of them. She tells the dude to, to close it behind her, and she says that this is what she was warning him about. So then the mayor, Hank, and Marnes watch her get shut inside, and it looks like it's working. But then the mayor starts to leave and says not to let Juliet leave. The mayor goes down to visit um, the workshop lady, Martha. So it turns out that they're old friends, and she asks for her honest opinion on Juliet. You know, like, who is she? So Juliet goes into the office, asks if she's under arrest or something. Marnes asks, should she, you know, should you be? The mayor comes in and introduces herself. She asks if they can have a moment. And she's like, one of my duties as mayor is to appoint the next sheriff. One of the silo traditions is that the outgoing sheriff leaves a suggestion as to who should be next to where to star. So Holson Becker chose you. And Juliet's like, I'm sorry, what? So the mayor's like, I must tell you, no one wants you for this job. And Juliet's like, okay. And then the mayor's like, except for one deceased former sheriff and me. Juliet and Marnes are both like surprised. She's like, I know it's a lot to take in. And she's like, no. And mayor's like, pardon? Juliet's like, I don't want it. And, and uh, Marnes is like, hallelujah. And then mayor's like, may I ask why? Juliet's like, everyone thinks their job in a silo is the most important you know, one. She's like, mine actually is. The generator, she's not well. And if I'm not here to make sure she's running, and she's like, I have to take care of her. So the mayor's like, well, that is too bad. Holston wanted you to have this. And she hands over the badge, like wrapped in a cloth. She's like, whether or not you took the job, and she wanted him to have it. So she's surprised when she opens it, she sees this is badge. And the mayor's like, take care of Juliet. So then after the boss dude, he and others that are talking to Juliet, so they're surprised. They're like, that makes no sense. You know, why? And she's like, I don't know. So her friends say that, you know, because she gets poop done and Coop said, that, you know, you'd be a great sheriff. And then she tells Hank it should be him. And he asks to see the badge. And then he says that Sheriff Holston was the reason that he wanted to become a deputy. 
And she's like, what do I know about law enforcement? So then her one friend, I think again, I think her name is Shirley, asked her, what, what did she know about being an engineer? And her boss, dude's like, not a whole lot. Then Hank, you know, he's looking at the badge. So he's like, something's carved on the back. Juliet runs up to them, to the mayor and Mara. She's like, I've changed my mind. She's like, I'll take the job on one condition. She's like, I need to fix a generator. She's like, I can't leave mechanical without knowing, knowing that it's safe. So in order to fix a generator, I need to shut it down. And Martin's like, you need to shut down the generator? Put us all in the dark? She's like, we've got a backup. And he's like, which provides minimal power, barely enough for life support. And Mayor's like, what you're asking for has never been done. People would be terrified. And Julia's like, people are going to be terrified when the ro rotor shatters. She's like, I can do it. So announcement goes out that in order to repair the generator, an eight-hour power outage will begin tonight at 10 p.m. So the silo will be completely dark for that period. So there, people are ordered to gather in the designated safe zones or stay at home. Those failing to comply will be jailed. So Juliet spins his top, and she's like, that's how the rotor should be spinning. You know, so sometime in the last 30 years, something damaged it. So soon it's going to break. So first they have to open it up. They have to see where it's broken. They have to fix what's wrong. And so they're going to have to shut it down, shut down the generator. Her friend's like, we can't actually turn it off. And Julia's like, sure. And then, um, so Knox, is, is that your boss's name? He, so he, you know, he controls the steam. The friend says, well, you know, how much time until it blows up? So she doesn't know. She's like, an hour? And then her friend's like, you'll get half that if you're lucky. So Marnes tells several deputies, I think there's like six of them in the room, that they're going to have to be ready for the worst. So the mayor wants to stay. I mean, because here's the thing, you know, people are arming themselves. So it's like the power goes out. It's like, is this going to be complete chaos? That's the scary thing is. So the mayor wants to actually stay at the station, but Marnes wants her somewhere safe, just in case, you know, there is like riot or anything like that. But the mayor thinks people will be afraid tonight and it'll be quiet. So uh, the worker lady says that um, her, so uh, Mar uh, Shirley, maybe I'm calling her Shirley. <laughs> um, she says the steam comes from way down deep. No one knows where, but it comes up through a pipe and goes into the turbine. The founders were smart. They knew that they couldn't control how the steam behaves, so they built in a safety. So there's a containment chamber, and it protects the, the turbine in case there's a sudden surge, and someone needs to regulate the flow. So to stop the generator, Knox has to close the main valve all the way. So that happens, you get maybe 30 minutes before the pressure red lines, and then he'll need to release it. So the boss says that they'll open two panels, and apparently they weigh like 1.35 tons each. So he'll turn the generator down to 50%, then it can assess the problem. When Jules gives the okay, he'll shut the steam valve and stop the generator. So then their 30 minutes starts right then. He asks Jules, he's like, who do you want with, with you? And then she looks at Coop. People gather in the cafeteria. Deputies usher people to stay off the stairs and to get inside. Um, the boss man looks at the clock. They're waiting for exactly 10 o'clock. And then uh, the backup is turned on. Lights go off. But now here's the interesting thing. I was like freaking out because in the cafeteria, you know, there's a big screen for the outside. It like flickers for a second. And, you know, so you see the desolate, like, hillside, but then it shows green get green grass and blue skies. And I'm like, holy crap. I actually I went back. I was like, did anyone see this? Because it's a huge screen. And it kind of, like, flickered and glitches. So maybe no one noticed it. I mean, it was, obviously, we noticed it. Someone must have seen it, but no one says anything. And I don't know. I mean, I guess if you saw it, maybe you think your eyes are playing tricks on you. or I don't know. But I was just like, holy crap. So then, then like, so it's like pitch black, but then like the low 
like uh, backup lights go on and then the screen stays off and then deputies are like outside with flashlights. So the mechanical crew starts, steam is cut to 50%, panels are removed, they can see the giant turbine. Juliet says that that's where she's got to go. So she talks to Coop. She says that they're going to tuck themselves in and fix what they can. Anything larger, they'll send down for the others to fix. So she gives a signal, shut the hatch. 30 minutes starts now. Turbine order stops. Um, they're hoisted up on ropes and she like curses. She's like, it's bad. So they have to send the blade down and fix the rest up here. Coop seems a little nervous. I don't know if he's scared of heights or something like that. So the blade is taken off and she tells Coop to send it down. And then she starts like on a smaller one. He's trying to like tie a rope around a, the, this big blade so they can like hoist it down. But then it falls. He's like, look out. Luckily, it doesn't hit anyone because that would have been bad. Then the boss man's like, are you okay? And they're like, yeah. He's like, then pick the damn thing up and get get it straight so Jules can get it back in. Juliet's like yelling at Cooper. She's like, focus. And her friend, Shirley, whatever, says, like, okay, the temperature is holding. We find out Sim, so Commons, you know, he's like supposed to be the big badass uh, judicial guy, whatever. He actually has a son. So he's a, he's a, he's a family man too. He calls out, which would make sense because, you know, it seems like only the privilege are allowed to have kids. So of course, you know, he's going to be on that list. So his, his son called out to him because it was too dark. And Sims is like, well, the dark's, you know, nothing to be afraid of. Marnes is, uh, he's drawing, making drawing of the mayor and, and he's pretty dang good. It's like, wow. But then a, a deputy on, 80 so i think it's level 80 calls on the radio saying things are all quiet up to the farms the mayor comes out and he like turns over to drawing so it's like hmm does he have a crush on her they're kind of joking not necessarily flirting but maybe they were flirting they didn't realize it she's like oh i can't sleep and he's like then dope so they like walk out you know they're gonna go for a walk and he's like ten thousand people can't sleep you know terrified the power won't come back on so that's crazy there's ten thousand people in the silo so he's like, you know, maybe the groundwater will rise and they'll drown or a bunch of nut jobs will bust through the top and let the poison in. He's like, you, you know, we've always been one catastrophic failure away from the end of it all. And this just makes everyone conscious of it. So maybe that's not a bad thing. It makes you appreciate the day that you have. She says that she knows he thinks appointing Nichols is a mistake, but something about her makes her feel hopeful, hopeful enough that she might be able to hand the reins over to someone else. And he asks, he's like, well, you're going to retire and you're going to sit around and knit because, you know, she knits for the babies and she has, and she's like, why not? You know, maybe I'll open a shop right next to a guy who does drawings. You know, I didn't come all the way, you know, all this way just to meet Nichols. She's like, I wanted to spend time with you. And he's like, I know it's why I came. They look at each other. Smooch. They start kissing. So then Shirley, if that's her name, calls out to the boss, boss man. I'm calling him boss man. He says it's, it's overheating way faster than they thought. So the gauge is almost at the red. And she's like, we have a few minutes maybe. So he goes and calls out to Jules. He's like, there's only a few minutes left. And she couldn't hear. So Coop tells her there's only a few minutes. And she's like, no. She's like, we need more time. But it's like, what can you do? So he says that, that they're redlining. And he says that they have to open the valve. And she's like, not without the rotor blade. So she stinks. She tells Coop. She's like, okay, take over. And she's like, just like I taught you. And she's like, when the blade comes up, you get it. You know, you get in there and you bolt it in place and make sure it's at the angle right or we're screwed. He starts, he's like, I can't do this. She tells him, she's like, you're ready. You can do it. And she goes down. She tells uh, someone that, that, you know, she's like, I need a blade now. It's Teddy, I think his name is Teddy, like one of the other workers. She's going to try to bite him more time. So she grabs a hose, you know, from the wall and like unwinds it. And she's going to go inside. So the bossman tells Shirley to go down and make sure she doesn't do anything stupid. 
and then she's like, wait, you're going in there? Jewel slides in this like opening and then the, the hatch above her, so where she's at, is like red hot and it's like simmering with heat. So she yells at Shirley to turn on the water and she's spraying that the hatch and it actually starts working. So the gauge shows that it's cooling down. So the boss man calls her a crazy bitch and she's spraying the water and now in this little chamber that she's in, her ankles are like in water. So the water level's going up and she apparently hates water. Deputies are walking around, make sure everything's okay. In the cafeteria, you know, they hear someone call for help. And Hank and this other deputy see this this old dude. And, and it's like, okay, wait, what's going on? But he's like, well, I was just trying to get back to my place and the lights went out. So it's like, it wasn't even a big deal. Now the water, time is going by. The water's up to Juliet's chest. And I can't tell if it's cold or if it's hot. Like, would the water be hot bouncing off the steam? Or would it just, it probably would be cold, right? I don't know. So she's definitely reacting to, to water and maybe again, because she doesn't like the water. So, but now, unfortunately, the, the gauge is creeping back to the red. So it's not working as well as it was. Juliet starts screaming because the water is getting higher. The blade is tied to a rope. The boss man, um, again, I think he might be Knox. He's like, move faster. They're redlining again. Shirley yells at Jules that the blade is going up. You know, gauge is in the red. Coop grabs the blade. Jules is like, hurry. The needle is like halfway in the red area now, the red portion. Bossman yells at Coop, and he can barely like lift the blade. So it's like, this is not going to go well. The needle hits the maximum. There's like spark. Other pipes are like blowing steam. Jules is like underwater. She's like trying to keep her head up. The bossman begs, it's just a few more minutes, a few more minutes, you know, don't blow up. Coop finally gets a blade in. The bossman yells, like, get Jules out of there and get Coop down. Shirley turns off the water. They pull up the hose, but they just get the hose. Jules isn't holding on to it. And then it's like, wait, what are you going to do now? But then you see an arm comes up and Jules, like, climbs out. She's like, spits out some water. Coop shimmies down. Boss man runs to the controls, opens up the steam, the, the steam, whatever valve. The gauge zips down. Rotor starts turning. Jules manages to get herself up. Immediately, she just goes to check to see if they made it. And she's like, maybe. So the rotor's turning. They all cheer. The boss man measures, like, fudge, fudge. And then he comes and gives Coop a huge hug. Juliet is, uh, is like in shock or something like that. Or maybe, it's like, is, is she going to miss this? Could that be it? The lights start going back on. Everyone's happy. The screen in the cafeteria shows the desolation outside. Sims is lying next to sleep. He might have fallen asleep. He's lying next to the sun. So Juliet says to Martha that she's there to say sorry for what she said. She goes, you know, goes to visit her. Martha's like, well, you're not wrong. She's like, I haven't left this place in a long time. Juliet says that, you know, she failed and she took it out on her. You know, she tried to do what George wanted to her to, but she couldn't. Martha's like, she said, you know, she didn't know what to think when she heard about her and the computer guy. But Shirley said that he made her smile. So Juliet says that, you know, she's sorry that she didn't get to meet him. And Martha's like, I was like, oh, he didn't tell you? I was well, like, I told him not to. So she says she had a, um, she had a computer problem, which she didn't because she built it. So when he got there... She told him that if he did anything to hurt Jules, he would vanish without a trace. Juliet kind of like laughs. But and before she goes, she gives Martha the camcorder that uh, um, George had found that was in his area. And she's like, what's that? And Juliet's like, I don't know. She's like, I found it with George's stuff. And Martha's like, you brought a relic into my workshop? And Jules is like, you love finding out how things work. She's like, I also like not dying. So Juliet's like, they wouldn't send you out to clean. If, if you get a minute, maybe you can figure out what it is. 
So it's kind of a little awkward goodbye. Like, you know, she wants to hug her, but, you know, she doesn't, you know, maybe she's not good with, you know, whatever human contact. <laughs> but then she does, like, go around back, put her head on, uh, like, put, Juliet puts her head on Martha's, like, back, and she's like, thanks for everything. So Martha's like, I'll be sending messages because, you know, she's got a radio and she built a radio. She's not supposed to have it. And she's like, one more thing. Don't end up like George. So the mayor and Marnes are walking and they, they stop for water. Bernard comes out and annoyingly asks her to please tell him why the silo spent last night in the dark. Marnes like, because it was night. <laughs> and she said it was crucial that they fix the generator. She made the call. He's like, you made a deal with Juliet Nichols, our soon to be sheriff. And Mayor's like, how did you hear that, Bernard? And he's like, she's a thief for mechanical. Mayor's like, she'll be great. Bernard's like, 10,000 lives, Ruth. All the generations that follow that. I pray to the founders that you're right. It's like, shut up, dude. He just kind of like smiles and walks away. Juliet talks to Shirley, says that, you know, she hasn't left mechanical since she got there. Shirley says, like, well, it's time. You know, there's some stuff that you got to face up there. So something must have gone on with her and her dad or her past or whatever. She says that she gets tired or when she gets tired of the up toppers to come back down. And then she says that she, she's going to be great. Juliet looks at the, the sheriff badge, at, at Holson's badge, and she thinks about what when she yelled at Holson. She's like, what about finding out the truth? And then he was like, would I find something else in word, a signal, I promise. She flips the badge, and truth is carved on the back. Okay, so there must be something. Maybe he left her some files, something in the sheriff's office. That's why she needs to be sheriff. Marnes tells the mayor, as she signs like the, the, the sheriff paperwork, that he hopes that she's not making a terrible mistake. And she says, she's like, well, I'm not. Then um, she tells him to grab a bottle of wine and meet her back at her place. And he's like, yes, ma'am. She's like, I just have to go to the restroom. So she, she goes in the other room and he calls out. He's like, which bottle? And she's like, oh, whichever you want. So it's like, he must be nervous or something like that. Then he yells if she thinks that one will be enough. He's like, well, maybe two. Then he's like, Ruth. But there's no answer. He's like, Ruth. He goes back, then doors lock, obviously. And he starts like kicking the door or whatever. She's lying on the ground and there's like blood coming out of her mouth. Like I couldn't tell, like, was her mouth sliced? And there's like blood on on the floor under her. So did someone attack her somehow in a locked bathroom? Is there some way in there? Did someone poison her? Because she didn't eat the pie. Did she just have some sort of attack, like a seizure? Or I don't know. But you may know if you've watched the next episode because it, I'm behind. So that was Silo. But man, that generator stuff was just it was just crazy. Okay, now I want to talk about American-born Chinese. So this, I knew it was coming out. I didn't realize it was coming out so suddenly. And I didn't realize all episodes are dropping at once. Wait, so one more time. All episodes are dropping at once. <laughs> all episodes dropped at once on may 24th on wednesday so <laughs> i i when i when i saw it i was like oh man i was like there is no way i'm gonna be able to watch any of it this week because it's just it's just such a crazy week but then i was like wait a minute i and i look i was like i had access to i've had access to the all all the episodes through through screeners from from disney thank you disney I just didn't realize it because things are just always too crazy. So I, I watched the first two episodes so far because, you know, trying to watch everything else and everything. That's all I could handle. 
So I will try to, I'll, we'll see what, what I can do. Um, how many more I, I, I'll do next week. You know, maybe, maybe I, I do two more because my, my thing is not at all episodes out there. You know, people can just watch it all and they're not going to want to hear whatever, but whatever. so it's, it's a, it's, it's a fun show. Um, I, I have to say, and I, I'm, I'm ashamed to admit, I'm going to be totally hundred percent honest. Cause I'm not going to lie to you guys. I haven't read the comic. I, I've, it's one I've always wanted to. Gene Luen Yang, he's he's the nicest guy. I've I've had the opportunity to interview. I think I've interviewed. I'm trying. To, I don't remember how many times I've interviewed him because I, I know I've interviewed him in person. I'm pretty sure, and I think maybe over the phone. I don't even remember. But he he's he's a really nice guy. And what I like about the story is there there's there's some important topics here. You know, you know, just just the fact that the, the there is some some topics, you know, about racism and and stereotypes, and it's not like blatantly. It's it, it's not. I mean, before people were like, "Oh, was this going to be preachy?" It's not preachy. So so there's a, there's a lot of important things, some aspects here that you see just just the way you know Asian people are perceived and and kind of treated, and and some people don't necessarily see it as as like an, an issue or a concern. But it's regardless your intentions, it's not okay. So even if you're you're saying something kind of lightly or think whatever, it's it's just it's not cool. So at, hopefully you know this will if people hopefully people will watch it. I, I I'm not sure what what how to, the promotion marketing is is for this, but there there's some important things to to pull away from this, and uh, it's got a great and it has friggin' Michelle Yao in it. Michelle Yao, Yo, Michelle Yo. Um, that's the other thing. The pronunciation of names. It's it's and I'm horrible. I'm horrible mispronouncing names of all ethnicities. But but there is, you know, this this comes up here. And and, and I what I like is how to show just subtly addresses it. So um I'm, before I well, I mean, this is what people want to hear, right? I'm gonna say before I, I just r- ramble on too much about this, but th- these are important things and you know there's there's a good mix. There's if you're looking for martial arts, you know, action, you got that. If you're looking for humor, you, you got that. If you're looking for like high school coming of age story, you got that. And it's it doesn't feel like too cheesy or cliche, like when well, you've got a bunch of old stuffy dudes, you know, trying to write something for the kids. It's it's not. It doesn't feel like artificial. You know, it's it's it feels like it it it's realistic um, from what we see of the school. You know, and and thankfully we don't see a whole lot about the school because you don't really need it. It's not the focus, at least so far, the first two episodes. So I, I feel like it's it's just really well done. You know, across the board with with just everything and. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to reading or to reading to seeing the rest of this. Now, what's interesting is Gene also wrote Monkey Prince, the the comic, and you know there are. So I, I feel like what was interesting is watching this. I was like, wait, I I kind of know about this character because Monkey Prince was you know with a great art by Bernard Chang. I, I love Bernard. Bernard is, is such a such a nice guy. So 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 cool. Monkey Prince, it was a DC Comics book. It's set in the DC universe. So it's interesting watching this. And it's, and and for me, who doesn't know a whole lot about other cultures, you know, I, I, I know some, but it, it was nice. You know, I didn't know much about the Monkey Prince story, mythos, whatever. But reading the comics, you know, and and, and seeing this, I'm seeing, you know, some, some little overlap there. And, and they're both written by Gene. But 
it is kind of cool seeing that as I was like, wait, I, I know this guy. And yeah, there's his dad. I mean, but they're also, it's, it's not the same. It's not like he's just taking the same thing. Huge difference between, you know, like the, the fathers and, and everything. So it was just kind of neat. All right. So with uh, the first episode, what guy are you? It, it starts off with the Jade and, you know, you get a little, little like synopsis, like little, uh, you know, writing background. The Jade Emperor has peacefully ruled the heavenly realm for millennia but the bull demon has mounted an uprising the key to stopping him is jingu bang the legendary iron staff of the monkey king master of 72 transformations however two months before the autumn equinox the staff has been stolen and then we see we see some dude like running in like a red forest and there's like a an eagle or hawk is like chasing him but then the, the bird you know gets hit by a because you know he dives through the guy running dives through some some trees swings back a branch hits the bird but then the bird turns into uh, a tiger and then the dude leaps and skips across this pond then a tiger you know hits the water turns into a fish and then the dude uh you know he, he starts jumping across the leaves of the trees and then the the chaser turns into a wolf and then turns in then into a dude and the chaser's in mandarin He's like, oh, you should focus your on your skills instead of showing off. So the younger one, the guy being chased, the, the, the prince, says, perhaps you should catch your breath before trying to talk. So then the older one says, is like, to, he's like, give it back. And he's like, you don't even know how to use it. So he pulls, the younger pulls out a baton and it turns into a staff, like extends like out. He expends it, but then the power sends him flying across like the forest. So then he's like looking over this ledge and at first is like, wait, is that a waterfall? But then there's like a portal, like a swirl or something like that. So then the older dude comes, this is the monkey king. This is, he tells him to stop. He's like, you don't have to do this. But then the younger one, which is going to be the monkey prince, you know, we don't know this at this point. He's like, yes, I do. And he jumps. Then it's back to school shopping. We see this kid, Jin. He's with his mom. He's not too thrilled with what she's picking out for him. And so we find out he's starting 10th grade. And she's like, why so picky? This is a hip store. And he's like, is it, mom? Because they also sell milk. <laughs> she she holds out this other shirt. He's like, yeah, I don't think I'm that guy. Then she's like, okay, what guy are you? Which is the name of the episode. She looks at the mannequin. She's like, uh, skateboard guy, camping guy, handsome guy. Because <laughs> she's like, and he's like, yeah. He's like, you think that mannequin's handsome? And she's like, yeah, he's good looking. <laughs> But there's like no face, there's nothing, no no features. Then she's like, what about your friend Nuji? And where does he shop? And Jin's like, his name's Anuj, A-N-U-J. He's like, wait, have you been calling him Nuji? And he's like, also, we don't really hang anymore. And she's like, why not? He's like, you know, I had, you know, club soccer over the summer and he was busy with cosplay. And she's like, who, who's that? And he's like, cosplay, mom. It's where you dress up as like a warrior or a sexy demon. And she's like, what? He's like, yeah, it's, it's too hard to explain. Uh, so then she's like, so who are you going to read your comic books with? He's like, well, I was thinking this year, I'd, I'd try to switch it up and like, you know, get on another level. She's like, so what level are you on now? He's like, in a lobby, parking. And then he sees this like, you know, white dude in a denim jacket with kind of like the, the sheep it's like fur collar or whatever. And then he's like, how about this one? Or that one with the jacket. She's like, how much is it? So he's like, it is $80. And then she like laughs. She holds up like a white hoodie. She's like, she tells him to try it on. She's like, less is more. So he goes in a dressing room, tries it on. He, he thinks it's all right. Then he goes, he's like, hey, mom. 
And then there's this cute girl standing there, like outside the dressing room. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were my mom. And then she like looks at him. He's like, starts to stammer. And, you know, he's like, no, I didn't think you were mom or whatever. She just like kind of nods and she's like, hot stuff. And then she walks away. So he's like, oh, is that a compliment? But, you know, and then you can see on the back of the, the, the hoodie, it says hot stuff written under. And there's like a chili pepper wearing sunglasses. He, and he sees it in the mirror. He's like, oh, my God. And his mom calls out. She's like, you like it? Chili's cute, huh? He's like, I don't know. No. Then she's like, okay, I give up. Let's go home. Then she's like, wait, I need some milk first. <laughs> she's like, bring the cart. <laughs> so then he like looks at the picture of like the dude in the denim jacket like before he leaves. So this is the thing. You know, you, you, you kids trying to fit in. And, you know, you, you, you try to put yourself, you know, depending on wh- what you are and by what you are, you know, like, are you are you white? Are you of some other ethnicity? Because there is something about that. And, you know, when I grew up as as a Latino, as a Latin X, which I don't think anyone says that, you know, you, you get a little bit of that. And and, I, you know, I will fully admit, as, as you may be aware you know, I wanted to fit in. I wanted to fit in because there there weren't a lot of Latinos, and I wanted to fit in with all of the white people. So you know, it, it's it's hard because you know you don't look like everyone else, and it's just it's hard to you know you're again you're you're just trying to fit in normally, and you're just wondering you you can't help but wonder are people looking at me differently because I'm not white. So I can only imagine that's like what he's going through. You know, he's trying to get through high school and, you know, he wants to be like that guy in a poster, but he's not. So then we see him later. He's sitting in his room. We, we get a good look at his room, which kind of tells, you know, Drew seats. And, and I, I applaud Disney, whoever's involved with like including everything here. Cause there's like Pokemon, there's manga. You see like Dragon Ball, Astro Boy, Naruto, Attack on Titan. There's like DC comics, you know, Batman, Superman. There's like Hulk and Superman action figures, Aquaman, Batman, you know, all this stuff. So it's not just Marvel stuff. It's not just Disney stuff, which is, is really cool that they did that. There's like boys soccer, 2018 um, trophy. And then he's looking at video. I'm thinking it's supposed to be TikTok. And then he pulls up the denim jacket from his backpack. And it has a store sensor in it. So it's like, how the heck did he get out of the store with it? How did he steal that? And then he tries pulling off the sensor thing, but he like can't. So then he just like shoves it under his bed. And he can hear his mom like talking about someone like, why are you scared? Or something. So she's talking to his dad. And he says, he, uh, she, she's like, you said you'd ask about the raise. And he's like, well, I'm not talking about money right now. So his mom's getting on his dad's case about, you know, asking for a raise at, at work because, you know, they, they could use, use the money. Then um, Jin gets driven to school by his, his mom the next day. He, he, he sees like a swirl in the clouds in, in the sky. And his mom like turns off the radio and asks, she's like, do you put on clean underwear? And he's like, yeah. He's like, what kind of question is that? And she's like, sometimes, she's like, sometimes I see your underwear in a hamper and they're dirty. And he's like, yeah, right. Yes. That's why they're in a hamper. <laughs> and he's like, I'll just hop out right here. So she pulls over. She's like, okay, I'll see you at three. Have a good day. Don't fight. Don't talk back to the teacher. <laughs> So at the high school, he sees Anuj like sitting on the stairs and he's like, hey, he's, and then he just gets up and walks away. So something happened between those, these two over summer. We do find out. Then he goes up to some kids who are laughing at their one kid's mom. They're talking about his 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 boyfriend or something like that. And then he's, he's like, oh, but, you know, he does have a, a boat. You know, maybe we can go jet skiing over the summer or something like that. 
this other bigger kid comes up. His name is Greg. Um, he starts talking about JV practice. He's a, the varsity cap, which I guess is a captain. So he wants more people to try out. Then he asks Jin who he is. So he's like, Jin Wang. And then he's like, do you play soccer? He's like, yeah, I mean, sort of. The other kid's like, yeah, he plays. He's like, he was on our team over the summer. And then he tells him that he should go to tryouts. The bell rings. He walks a hall. He sees like a kid struggling to get his locker open. And he helps him by like pounding and lifting a little bit like that. So then he's in biology or something like that. The teacher <laughs> teacher cracks me up. This guy's a dork. He, he's, he's, you know, he's going to start the, the year with evolution and he makes a joke about like his his wife or his ex-wife or you know like the second one or something like that and this girl's like you shouldn't make jokes you know it's whatever uh so they're gonna start they're gonna do a, a partner project so pair up he looks around and then the girl in front of him turns around it's the girl from the store that he thought obviously he thinks that she's she's cute and she's like hey mr hot stuff so then she's you know she says her name's amelia he says his name is jen he's like nice to meet you sorta and she's like sorta He's like, yeah, we went to elementary school together. And then, you know, then you went to this one other school and I went to whatever. Then he's like, and now I sound kind of like a creep because he knew where she went and everything like that. So then he sees or she sees that he has like a soccer flyer. And she said that she was going to try out for soccer, too. But her mom wants to wants her to do drama because she did drama and, and they're supposed to have the same interests and everything like that. So she is, she's like, did you get the hoodie? He's like, yeah. He's like, I got eight of them, one for each day of the week and an extra one for laundry day in case I forget. She's like, oh, can I get one? He's like, no, it's part of a collection. It's just like, you know, so like witty right away. And she like laughs. And she's like, do you have a lab partner yet? But then there's a knock on the door. The pr- principal, Kinney, this lady comes in and she's like, hey, everyone, is there a Jim Wang here? His name is Jin Wang. But she says Jim Wang. So he slowly raises his hand. He corrects her pronunciation. And she's like, can I borrow you for a second? <laughs> And then the teacher, the, bi- the the biology teacher, teacher of the class, he's like, ooh, <laughs> like he's a, and she's like, don't do that. He's like, sorry, <laughs> but I like, I love, I, I hate to say this, it's like something that, well, I don't know if I would do that. Sometimes I'd be tempted to do. It's so immature. <laughs> so, um, out in the hall, she, he's like, what's going on? And that the kid who's he helped with his locker, and he, he's an Asian kid too. He, you know, he's, he's out there. And so, uh, she, he starts speaking Mandarin to him and Jin's like, uh, he's like, Oh, so sorry. He's like, my Chinese isn't super good. So the principal's like, well, this is Wayne Chung, <laughs> but his name's really Wei Shen, but she called him Wayne Chung. <laughs> and she's like, he's a new student here and he's Chinese like you. And Jin's like, uh, okay. And principal's like, I thought you could show him around since you two have so much in common. He's like, uh, we do she's like so for the rest of the day he's going to be your shadow he's going to tag along with you to all your classes except english because he's esl and math he's way ahead of you in math she's like you excited have fun and then they head back into the bio class so he's like my name is sun wei shen nice to meet you and then uh the teacher he actually he says that he says it to the whole class and then uh, the teacher and the principal clap and then some students like kind of slowly clap whatever and then Jin sadly sees Amelia sitting in the back of the room with some other boy. So he's like, he kind of lost his shot. So then later, uh, one of those like summer soccer kids sees Jin. He's like, oh, we're over on the bricks. It's like lunchtime. And Jin's like, oh, awesome, cool. Then Wei Shen yells from across the cafeteria, Jin, Jin, I found seats for us. Come on, here, right here. 
And the kid's like, oh, you're sitting with someone? He's like, it's good. Don't worry about it. And Jin's like, no, no. Sitting at the table, Wei, Wei Shen um, opens this like tin of packed food. He's like, would you like some Luobo Gao or something like that? Then he he's like, Jin, do you like barbecue sauce? He's like, no, not really. Jin, do you like humorous film? He's like, you don't have to say my name every time, okay? You can just talk. And then Jin sees Amelia across the cafeteria. Then he notices this like mech dude on, on Wei Shen's thermos. He's like, who's that? He's like, this? Oh, this is from a popular manga called Kugo Ren Saga. Jin's like, uh, yeah, no. He's like, I know Kugo Ren. And he's like, you do? He's like, yeah, I just didn't recognize that character. Who is that? And he's like, this is Kugo Ren from book four. And Jin's like, no, that's not Kugo Ren. Also, there's only three books. And Shen's like, no, there's seven. Yeah, maybe, maybe some haven't come out in America yet. Here, let me show you. Jin stops him from taking anything out of his backpack because a couple boys walk up. And they're like, hey, Jin, Andy said you couldn't have lunch today because you made a new friend. They're like Travis and Josh. And they ask what his name is. And then they say that he's like, oh, I like your shirt. Where'd you get it? Wei Shen's like, he's like, oh, it's from a Chinese company. You can buy it on their website. And Travis's like, no way. I love websites. I got to check that out. You know, I've been meaning to wear more robot shirts. And Wei Shen's like a little confused. They're like, catch you later. And they like leave. Then Wei Shen's like, who's that guy? And Jin's like, oh, that's my friend Travis from soccer. That guy is your friend? And Jin's like, yeah, he likes to mess with people, as you can see. You know, he got into this whole thing with my buddy Anuj over the summer. You know, he's like, Anuj is still kind of messed up about it. So then Wei Shen calls out to them, hey, what are you laughing at? And Jin tries to stop. He's like, please don't do that. He's like, why? He's being disrespectful. He's like, everyone's staring at us. Yeah, good. Let them. He's like, please chill. Then Jin says that he's like, you're like a, like a confident dude. He's like, you never doubt yourself. And he's like, why would I doubt myself? He's like, okay, you can show me the, the book now if you want. Then he's like, oh, yeah, but it's not a book. It's this. And he pulls out an action figure. It's, it's the same as, as a sign of thermos. So Jin tells him, he's like, come with me. So they, they check it out like away from the cafeteria because obviously he doesn't want anyone to see that he, he has a, a toy, an action figure. Like, oh, no, heaven forbid. So he's like, that doesn't look like Cougar Ren. Wei Shen's like, in book four, he learns the 72 transformations. He's like, wait, so where'd you get this? He's like, oh, my dad gave it to me. He wants me to stay at home and work for him, but I want something different. He's like, your dad wasn't cool with you coming here? He's like, no, my dad's never cool. He is a burning fire. And Jin's like, my dad's the opposite. Of it. He's stressed and tired all the time. Then Wei Shen says, hey, Jin, I think you should ask that girl out for a date. He's like, what? That American girl you were looking at. He's like, that's what I thought you said. He's like, no, that's not a good idea. He's like, why not? Be a confident dude like me. So then in the car on the way home, he asks his mom, he's like, can we go water skiing sometimes? And she's like, he's like, oh, you don't want to do that. Because, you know, that's what the kids were talking about, his mom's boyfriend, whatever, having a boat. And Jin's like, no, I, I think I do because I just asked you. <laughs> and she says that, so like, you went skiing once and you hated it. You fell in the snow and you cried. He's, he's like, we're not water people. And he's like, what does that mean, mom? <laughs> and she says, he's like, ask your dad tonight. You know, he, but he may be late. He's supposed to talk to his boss. So, he, you know, he's been at his company for a long time, but he's still at the same level. So, you know, she wants him to like speak up, but it's not easy. And Jin's like, why not? And she's like, because we are not water ski people. And then there's like a bigger swirl in the, in the clouds. I don't know if he saw this one. Then the Monkey King is told by his advisors, Bull Demon is planning to attack during the autumn equinox. His uprising is building in strength. It's like, this isn't political, it's personal. And we all know that you know he wants revenge against 
the waking or something like that. So whatever his reason, he won't stand a chance without his staff. This other's like, why would Wei, Wei Shen steal from his own family? He's like, he is my son. I will find him. So that's where we find out that Wei Shen, although do we, do we know Wei, Wei Shen is the son, obviously. I don't know if we know that here. So at dinner, um, Jin kind of toys with his food. His mom says, in Taiwan, people love this. He's, he, and he's like, it's literally like skin and to- toenails. Then a dad walks in and asks how school was. You know, he, he lists his, his class and that. And then he said, like, there's also soccer, which I can do instead of PE. And dad's like, no, it's like not too many activities. You know, stay focused, study hard. That is enough. And mom's like, sometimes, sometimes that's enough. Sometimes you have to speak up so people notice you. Dad's like, well, sometimes the best way people notice you is if you work hard. And mom says, and sometimes people treat you like an animal, like a little monkey. So later, Jin watches TV. Uh, Dad fell asleep in a chair. There's protests over this 90s sitcom called Beyond Repair that's making a comeback on streaming services. It's supposed to be racist. There's this Asian character that gets made fun of. Like He actually saw it on TikTok where there's like this ceiling fan fell on him. So Jin puts an episode on. So Ki Hu Kwan, I think that's how you say it. He plays Freddie Wong, who's like always causing accidents. And he tells this American dude, you know, you're talking like, he's like, oh, why don't you ask out the neighbor or whatever like that. And he's, he's like, like my ancestors said, what could go wrong? And then a ceiling fan falls, hits him on the head. And that's supposed to be like the joke. So I don't know if it happens all the time. Because you see like opening credits, like cheesy, like whatever 90s or 80s you know an intro Jin turns it off in his room he tries taking off the store sensor he manages to get it off which i thought that they were filled with ink or something like that whatever so then he wears the, the jacket to school the next day he goes up to and it's it's like it's not really jacket weather but he's wearing it he goes up to amelia by her locker and asks if she'd be interested in hanging out sometime and she's hesitant to answer but then wei shen calls his name he's wearing the same jacket he's like look we're twins and then he's like oh sorry for interrupting so then um jen's like he tells emil i forget what he said and she's like no it was sweet of you to ask uh, uh maybe, yeah we, we maybe we could hang out just as buds you know which is like ouch he's like yeah yeah sure she's like sorry that was that was really lame he's like it's fun buds is you know it's fine buds is cool and she's like, okay, I'll see you later. And he leaves. Wei Shen's asks, he's like, are you okay? And Jin says, he's like, I gotta get to class. And he, he and he's like, don't follow me. He's like, but I'm your shadow. He's like, no, you're not. You're not my shadow. You're not my twin. You're not my friend, okay? Just so please, just leave me alone. He starts to walk. Someone opens the door. <laughs> Sorry if that was too loud. <laughs> it's Max Jin right in the face. He like stumbles back. He lands in like a, a rolling garbage can. It rolls across the hall, smashes into a, a glass case. The kids laugh. Someone's like, oh, help him. And Wei Shen runs up and asks if he's okay. Jin just like walks off and you see him taking off his jacket in the hall. So it's like, oh man. In the cafeteria, he sees Anuj wearing makeup and there's like a fake cut on his face, or whatever. He's like, hey, how's it going? He's like, cool, Rebel Hatsuko makeup. Then he's like, oh, it's just, you know, you know, prototype or mock up or something like that. Then, then uh, Jin's like, he's asked him if he knew there was actually seven Kugo Ren books instead of three. He's like, oh, good to know. Thanks for the update. He gets up. So then Jin's like, so what's the plan, dude? He's like, you just going to never talk to me again? Because Travis made fun of you like two months ago? He's like, listen, you can't just show up to my club soccer game dressed as Naruto and do a bunch of jutsos and expect everyone to be like, oh, that's normal. And Anuj is like, well, sorry if I embarrassed you in front of your new cool soccer bros. He's like, why are you even mad at me, right? Because 
I didn't do anything. And Anuj is like, that's right, you didn't. You just stood there and let it happen. Maybe you should have done something. And then Jen's like, okay, and maybe you should learn to take a joke. And then he's like, have you seen the meme that's been going around? The one with the guy from the old TV show? He's like, yeah, why? He's like, well, there's a new one. Hands Jen his phone. There's a TikTok of Jen rolling in the can, hitting the glass. And then it cuts to, what could go wrong? Ceiling fan falls. There's like a fake one that falls on Jin when he gets up. He's like, who made that? Anuj just takes the phone and like other kids are kind of looking at him behind his back. So then after school, it's a JV soccer tryouts. Greg throws him in like a, you know, a, 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 the old Jersey thing to put on. And he's like, oh, glad you made it. And he's like, yeah, we'll see. He's like, you got this, dude. And in the summer league guy, so he's like, where's your buddy? And Jin's like, no, I'm, I'm just glad I don't have to deal with him. And Travis is like, why? You know, what, what could go wrong? Hmm. Jin like kind of takes this in. He so it's like the, Travis did it right because he's such a jerk. He made fun, you know made fun of Anuj and everything. So he's staring at Travis. The drill is about to start. So Travis volunteers. Like two people are going against the ball, and then you know they're going to run and you know try try to like who gets it first type of thing. So Travis volunteers to go first, and then Jin also volunteers to go against him. And and he's and the coach is like, "What's your name?" He's like, "Jin." He's like, "Okay, Jim, come on, line up." So he automatically assumes his name is Jim, of course. So they, they have they have to run to the soccer ball. Jin, he's like running, but then he jumps like in the air. He ends up getting hit like by, by Travis's hand, but he like his hands land on on, on Travis's like like torso. So then um, he he gets hit. There's lots of flashes of everything. His parents, the jacket guy in the poster, the food that he has to eat, Wei Shen, all this stuff like that. He wakes up. And Greg's like, oh, that was pretty gnarly. And then the coach starts talking. Travis's hands like bloody from like, I guess the cleats hit, hitting his hand or something like that. He makes like some comment, whatever. And then Jin starts yelling at him. And then he yells at the coach. He's like, hey, my name is Jin. And the coach is like, listen, it's like, this is not how we roll in this team, son. He's like, I th- now I think you may want to consider another activity. You know, just cool off, take a walk. So Jin is like stares, whatever. And he's about to leave, kicks a soccer ball, goes flying into the bleacher. <laughs> And the coach is like, wow. And then Travis, he's like, coach, because he's a baby and his hand's bloody. And, you know, he wants some attention with her. So then later, Jin sits on the, the school steps. He watches a video. Wei Shen comes up and, and he's like, hey. He sits next to him. Jin's like, I mean, you know, I'm really sorry about earlier and all the stuff that I said. You know, I'm not that guy. At least I don't want to be. He's like, maybe that's a problem. I don't know what guy I am. Wei Shen just nods. Then he's like, what are you watching? He's like, someone took a video of me and posted it in this dumb app. So he's like, can I see it? Jin's like, he shows him. He's like, I'm sure it was Travis. And Wei Shen like pauses and he zooms in. Sees a kid recording in a reflection of glass. He's like, not Travis. He's like, Greg. So Greg was like this, the soccer captain. Then he sees his mom pull up and there's, there's this eagle squawking overhead. So Wei Shen like stares at it as it flies by. He goes back into school and he sees his dad there in the hallway. In Mandarin, his dad's like, you need a better disguise than that to hide from me. He's like, what are you doing here? And Wei Shen's like, I'm searching for the fourth scroll. His dad's like, scoffs. He's like, are you serious? The fourth scroll is a myth. He's like, no, it's real. And he's like, I brought back the sutras. There were three scrolls, not four. And Wei Shen's like, you're wrong. How do you know? He's like, I had a dream. So his dad laughs. Why can't you listen to me for once? He's like, I don't have time for this. Have you forgotten about the uprising back home? You're a child living in a fantasy and you're too weak to carry my staff. Give it back. I'm taking you home now. And in English, he's like, no. 
and his dad's eyes crackle with like red electricity. The lights overhead like like blow out and shatter. Wei Shen pulls a staff out of his backpack, raises it, it ex- he starts spinning it, it extends. So he's in a fighting stance. Dad smiles, then Wei Shen hits his backpack, you know, off the ground, sends it flying, dad ducks. Uh, he just like, you know, just dodges it to the side. He runs up, he f- flips with the staff, strikes at him, but dad dodges. Jin's parents are arguing home. Dad says, you know, he's like, oh, you think you know everything. If so, you know, why don't you get a job then? And then, you know, the dad says, that, you know, he's like, you're going to get me fired. And Jin puts on his headphones in his room because he doesn't want to hear they're arguing. The fight at school continues. Dad blocks the staff and he grabs the end. He hits it and it goes flying out of Wei Shen's hand. It goes like th- through the door behind him. Starts running. He calls out. The staff returns to, to Wei Shen. More flipping, swinging. Then he strikes at his dad and he like turns to dust. He's like, wait, did he just kill him? He didn't kill him. At home, at Jin's, the mom says, remember, he's like, remember who you used to be? You know, we came here with nothing, no connections. You know, where did that brave man go? And he's, he's like, we were young. It's different now. So then uh, the Monkey King reappears, grabs the staff, and he pins Wei Shen against the lockers. Then it, it, it goes dark, and his dad kind of looks around. At the house, Jin's like, enough! And he, you know, he's in the hallway, and he goes back in his room. At school, this big orb falls through the ceiling, and Michelle Yao emerges. Her, her name's Guan Yin. She, sa- he, she says to the, the Monkey King that... She hasn't seen him in a long time. And she's like, you know, leave the boy alone. He has his own journey. He replies, he's like, with, with respect, Guan Yin, he is my son. And she laughs, like, clearly. And, you know, raises her hand. The staff floats up, spins. And it shrinks to, like, almost like the size of a toothpick. And she hands it to Wei Shen. And then he sticks it in his ear. <laughs> Guan Yin tells him not to let anyone find it. And then Dad's like, they will come for him. And then she takes away Shen away, and like the hallway's a mess. So Jin sees this gold envelope in his backpack. It's like for my friend Jin. The action figures in there. He like kind of chuckles. He kind of looks at it, you know, play, you know, fiddles with it. He sees there's kind of like this hidden compartment in the chest, and you can kind of like flip the head up in its place, and it has like a monkey head, and he puts it on a shelf. So that was the first episode. Second episode, one or two, a monkey on a quest. The intro is like, Wei Shen's quest to stop Bull Demon's uprising continues as he now believes a boy on Earth could be his guide to finding the all-powerful Fourth Scroll. However, his possession of the Iron Staff puts him at risk. He will need the support of the Goddess of Mercy, Guan Yin, if he is to succeed. So we didn't fully know who Guan Yin was last episode. So here they, they tell us. So we see Wei Shen in like his, his monkey-ish form. It's not like a full-on monkey, but he has like, you know, more like almost like a beard. It's got like fur. So we see him fall from the sky, like in a red forest. And in, in Mandarin, Guan Yin says that his landing needs work. And he's like, well, that's my style. So she wants him to walk with her and practice his English. So she says that she wants to know exactly what he's up to. He says he's on a quest to try and stop Niu Mo Wang and his uprising against the Jade Emperor. So she asks if this quest led him to a high school on earth and he says that he knows it seems crazy but he had a dream a crane appeared and told him that a guide will help him find a fourth scroll so she asked if this big bird also told him to steal his father's staff and he's like no that was my idea and he needs it to unlock the scroll and she's like well are you keeping it safe because it's still in his ear 
She says that the, the limits of its power are unknown and dark forces will be looking for it. She says that he should also find a better hiding place. And she's like, why do you and your father always insist on hiding things in your ears? So she asks to hear more about his guide. And he says, uh, Wang Jin, but he doesn't know he's his guide yet. So she asks, how does he know that he's his guide? And Wei Shen's like a feeling. She says to you know gain his trust, try being his friend, and remember the fate of the world hangs in the balance. So he says that, he's like, okay, I'm ready to go back. And she's like, we never left. She waves her hand and then they're back. They're like in normal clothes. And she has like a baseball cap on and they're like in this like kind of kind of dingy apartment. And she says that she just wanted to make sure that this was what he really wanted. And he's like, what's this? She's like, welcome to your new home. At breakfast, Jin's mom says that he should try out for soccer again. He's like, well, that's not really how it works. And she's like, well, you could at least try saying something instead of just accepting things. So the mom, borderline nagging, stuff like that, she makes some good points. So then Jin sees Wei Shen. He tries giving him the action figure back since it was from his dad. And Wei Shen's like, no, you, you know, you're my new friend. I want you to have it. He's like, oh, and I found the comics. You should come you know, over after school. Jin sees like Travis and a couple other kids. He's like, I, I don't really have time for comics and stuff right now. He's like, I got to focus on other stuff. He's like, but we, we should hang sometime. And then he's like, oh, and the figure is cool with the secret compartment and everything. So this gives Wei Shen the idea to take the staff out of his ear and put it inside the action figure. And then he sticks it in his backpack. He goes to class and there's his gardener raking with this really big hat on. It was a little suspicious there, right? Inside, Anuj is reading a comic in the hall and Jin tries talking to him. He's like, oh, is that the new Swamp Thing? He's like, yeah, I read it. I'm not really a fan of the new character design. This kind of gets Anuj to go on this mini rant and stuff like that. And Jin's like, I knew that'd get you. And he's like, oh, okay. You know, he's like, you got me. Then Anuj points out that he's like, oh, yeah, and you didn't make the soccer team, huh? And Jin's like, no, but, you know, he's like, I miss hanging out with you and talking comics and and having you, you know, disagree with all my opinions. And Anuj is like, well, it's easy when you're wrong about everything. He, he smiles a little bit. So they're warming. He's warming up. And then he's like, well, how are you holding up since last week? And Jin's like, well, I'm fine. You know, people should get over this thing eventually, right? And Anuj is like, well, it depends. And he's like one of the hallways was trash so maybe people will be talking about that but then he comments he's like but then again baby yoda's still trending and no one is talking about vin diesel's dance song and he's like dance song and what dance song he's like exactly so jin says that he was thinking of talking to the coach you know and trying to prove that he deserves a spot in the team and it won't be a distraction then they hear people protesting so it's the culture club they're protesting the video with jin anuj says you're baby yoda so the girl says that as president of the club, they will not stop until they find out who did this. And they have posters with like the image from the video. And Jin's like, no, that's not necessary. But in a new, she's like, it seems like he has a crush on the, the culture club president. Her name's Susie. I think she was, I forgot if she said she was Japanese. Or she, well, anyways, at Jin's work, a co-worker says like, oh, the boss is in a conference room. You're kind of giving small talk. He's like, we should go. He, and the dad's like, uh, he's like Simon. He's like, I have work to do. And the coworker's like, you need, you know, you you need to put in more FaceTime with him. And so they go there. There's this other like smarmy dude, totally kissing up. They're like talking about stuff. The Jin's dad, dad's like, oh, so anybody watching the NFL football? And then then the talk turns to fantasy football. And then the smarmy guy grabs. He's like, yeah, I'm in first place with mine. I won last year too. And the boss is like, oh, really? Whatever. He's like, yeah, let me show you. And 
and then Jin's dad just goes back to his desk. Susie tells Jin that they need a statement for from him. Uh, she has an in with the school newspaper editor. Jin's like, you're also the editor. She's like, yeah, I want to do go through the proper channels. And he's like, well, I, I just I can't get involved. In the cafeteria, Amelia and a friend of hers, Ruby, they go up to Jin and she asks if he did anything this weekend. So Amelia feels bad about what happened. And when you know he asked to hang out, maybe that distracted him. He's like, no, he's like, I don't want you to feel bad about anything ever. And he's like, it's all fine. You know, it'll probably blow over any moment now. Then Susie starts talking about hate and representation. She gives like this little poem or whatever. She's like, I don't speak for my race. I speak for my face. You know, like all this stuff. And she wants to bring up someone to comment. Wei Shen Sun. And he says that he wants to talk about his friend, Jin Wang. He's sm- a smart and special boy. He also has good humor and an athletic body for sports. <laughs> Which seems a little weird to say. Like Jin, I am Chinese, so an attack on him is an attack on me. That's why I fight for him. Now is a time for justice, and justice starts with just us. Because that's what they were kind of chanting before. And Susie says, not only is he defending his friend, he's also helped identify the perpetrator. And she's like, see for yourself. Pause the video at six seconds and zoom in on a reflection in a trophy case. It's clear as day. It's Greg Wallace. And then she, she like turns her sign around. There's a screen cap of Greg, the, the soccer captain dude. At the dad's work, boss is walking in a parking lot and he sees Simon, Jin's dad, in the car. He's in there blasting John, John Bon Jovi's Blaze of Glory. The boss like knocks on the window and the dad like turns it down. He's like, oh, normally I park over there, but you know, I work through lunch. And the boss is like, is this something you normally do? Uh, and he's like, listening to Bon Jovi at full blast? He's like, yeah. The boss opens the door and says, here, I'll show you something. Takes out his phone, shows him this old picture of him with like long hair and like a denim jacket. He's like, I just found a box of old photos. Simon's like, you look good. And the boss is like, his name is John. He's like, thank you. He's like, I agree. The wife begs to differ. And he's like, slippery tour, 87. I went three nights in a row. Then um, then John's like, oh, here's Jeff Bexlow. Like, turn, turn it up. At Jin's locker, Greg comes up to him. He's like, I want to let you know you're a good guy. And Jin's like, thanks? And Greg's like, yeah, you know, I'm a good guy too, right? And he's like, yeah, for sure. And Greg's like, uh, hey, you know, it really sucks that you didn't make JV this year. And he's like, oh, uh, it is what it is. And Greg's like, I mean, actually, I'm pretty close with Coach G, you know, being team captain and all. If you want, I could talk to him for you. And Jin's like, you'd seriously do that? And Greg's like, yeah, why not? Like I said, I'm, you know, you're a good guy. And Greg, Jin's like, awesome. He, and Greg's like, consider it done. They like fist bump and Jin starts to, he's got to go to PE. And then uh, Greg's like, hey, uh, Principal Kinney, she thinks the whole meme thing, it violates the school's anti-bullying code. Yeah, so I, I might miss a few games this season. He's like, can you believe that? And Jin's like, ah, oh, yeah, that, that sucks, man. And he's like, I mean, honestly, I only did it to make the other varsity guys laugh. You should hear the kind of stuff they say. It's way worse. And he's like, hey, I just thought of something. Since I'm going to talk to Coach G for you, what if... You talk to the principal for me. You could let her know that we're friends and uh, I, I'm a good guy. The bell rings. He's like, uh, you know, I, I should get the class. So it's like, oh, come on, dude. Jin actually goes to the coach himself. He says, he's like, I wanted to apologize about what happened at trials last week. He's like, you mean when you tackled Travis? He's like, right, yeah. That um, I think I just wanted it so much that I kind of lost my cool. The coach is like, Jin, I'm the coach of the soccer team. But do you know who the real coach in life is? 
He's like, are you going to say Jesus? He's like, no, I was going to say our mistakes. He's like, look, I know what you're, you're going through a tough time right now. I saw the whole protest thing out there and I do feel for you. My only question is, can you take that frustration and turn it into motivation? And he's like, yes, yes, coach. Yes, I, I can uh, 100%, whatever you need, I can carry the weight. And he's like, funny you mentioned weight. They go into the like weight room. He's like, I asked the school board for a new equipment room and I think they misunderstood me. They gave me a new room, but they didn't actually buy me any equipment. He's like, think you can help me set things up in here? He's like, yeah. Wei Shen goes you know, in the trash hallway, the janitor with the really big hats, like going through a locker. And he's like, Pigsy? So, so he must be here for the staff. Boss asks dad, John asks dad, like, what, what's your favorite album? And he's like, Blaze of Glory. And the boss is like, New Jersey. And then Simon's like, favorite song. The boss is like, lay your hands on me. And Simon's like, Santa Fe. And boss is like, interesting. Simon's like, when I was younger, my friend had a bootleg CD. That song sounded like America. And the boss just laughs. And the boss is like, how many times have you seen them live? And Simon just like smiles and shakes his head. And he's like, Simon, really? Simon's like, it wasn't so easy where I'm from, but it's okay. I have my car. And the boss is like, like, oh, you know, what a shame. He's like, the shows back then were really something. Young, alive. He felt like a god. And Simon's like, young enough to dream big. He's like, that's right. And he's like, speaking of dreaming big, as you know, I've been with this company for 10 years. And then the boss cuts him off. He's like, before I forget, you have to hear this cover band I found online. They're called You Give Love a Band name. <laughs> a band name instead of a bad name. He's like, they're genius. And Simon's like, yeah, uh, great. But I've been wanting to ask you, John. He, and boss is like, I'm glad we made this connection, Simon, before it was too late. And he's like, too late? And boss is like, I mean, before I'm not around anymore, you know that I'm retiring next month, right? And Simon's like, no, I did not. He's like, yep. Jin has a room looking pretty good. He struggles with like moving the weights because they're too heavy. And then Wei Shen runs in with the action figure. He's, he says he wants him to have it. Jin's like, I'm kind of busy. Wei Shen's like, why are you mad at me? And he's like, maybe I'm not into being called out in front of an entire school. Wei Shen says, like, I don't understand. The culture club says that you'd like it if I spoke up for you. And he's like, yeah, of course they did because they're using you, dude. Wei Shen offers to help him. He easily picks up two like big dumbbells and Jin's like, how are you doing that? He sets the weight down in this rack, but the, the rack falls over because it's like this old thing, I guess. It knocks over a row of exercise bikes like, like dominoes. like That knocks over some more racks, which hits this fire extinguisher that flies, hits the light, sparks, and lights out. And the coach walks in. He's like, seriously? Mm, not, not good. Jin has dinner at home. They're eating in silence. Crashes in the bed. Mom asks if he talked to the coach today. Uh, and then he's like, eh. she's like, well, you can always do another tryout next year. He's like, yeah, I just thought this year was going to be different. That's all. And she's like, you use your voice, Jin. That's all that matters. It's how you get what you want. It's where your power is. Next day, he goes up to Susie. He's like, I'm ready to make my statement. So they stand on the table in the cafeteria. He's like, excuse me, everyone. I'd like to make an announcement. I'd like to make a statement. He's like, you guys probably already know me, right? There was that video of me going around last week. I know a lot of people felt it was offensive. So I wanted to kind of address that. I don't want to tell anyone else how to feel. But personally, I thought it was just a harmless joke. Susie's like, what the heck is he doing? Anuj is like, Vin Diesel's dance track. And she's like, what? He's like, exactly. So Jin's like, I, I think we should move on to more important things like saving the polar bears or why we only get pizza boat twice a month. And he's like, together we can overcome. And one student's like, yeah. 
And it was like just, you know, little tiny clap. And he's like, oh, uh, and one more thing. Uh, uh, Greg Wallace is a good guy. He's a friend of mine. And I honestly don't believe he was trying to offend anybody. So, and Greg just like looks at him. He's like, yeah, that's it. That's all. Thanks for listening. Um, go back to your protein shakes or whatever you kids. And he just <laughs> drills off. Dad comes home from work. Mom comments like, oh, you're home early. She's like, are you going to tell me what's going on? He sighs. And he's like, guess what happened at work yesterday? She's like, I'd rather not. He's like, I found out my boss, John, he loves Bon Jovi. And she's like, okay. He's like, all these years, I finally connected. We talked for hours. And she's like, and what about your promotion? He can't do anything. He's retiring in a month. It's too late. And she's like, you really don't see it, do you? And he's like, see what? You can be so dumb. And she's like, John ret- retiring means there's a position opening up. This is what you've been waiting for. How can you not see it? He's like, me, run the division. She's like, why not? I've never considered that. Yes, you have. You just never believed that it was possible. So let me say it for you. And she's like, I can be the one. He like sighs. He's like, what's for dinner? I'll help. So again, she's got some good points. The coach uh, wanted to see Jen. She's like, so it turns out the fire extinguisher was hung in the wrong place, which the insurance company says is the district's fault and not ours. So in other words, you lucked out. But also, thank you, because now they have to build me a new equipment room. Jin's like, that's amazing. Uh, oh, do you want me to help set it up? Because I can't. He's like, no, no, it's okay. I'll do it myself. He's like, the real reason I want to talk to you is to tell you, I appreciate you coming to ask for another shot. Showed guts. He's like, and Jin's like, really? He's like, yeah. Also, one of my varsity captains said you showed a lot of promise at tryouts. He seems to really believe in you. Tosses on the jersey, you know, and he's like, tomorrow, 3.30, don't be late. He's like, yes, sir, you got it. So Jin proudly, like, walks to his his locker then it's his moments cut short because Susie's like how's it feel and he's like what to take your whole community three steps backwards he's like Susie I did everything you asked right I made my statement so what more do you want she's like you sure that was a statement or was it a soccer tryout Jen's like look Susie I know I'm not the brave heroic spokesperson that you want me to be but honestly I just want to be a regular guy who does regular things like hang out with my friends and play soccer and she says, look, it's hard to speak up, Jen. I know that. But there are a lot of people out there who don't have a voice. So it's up to people like us to speak for them. I disagree with your decision today, but I respect your honesty. And by the way, why would you want to be a regular guy? Then Wei Shen sees a janitor. He like pigsy. He's in a cafeteria. He's just like standing on a table, like, chow, 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 like chowing down the leftovers like that. Then pigsy calls him a thief. And says, someone needs to teach you a lesson. He attacks him with his rake. Wei Shen, like, distracts him, throws some french fries at him. You know, they're, like, fighting and kicking and blocking. Jin opens his locker. He sees an action figure in his backpack inside somehow. He's like, you got to be kidding me. The fights move to the kitchen. And we can see Pigsy's actual face. He actually has a pig face, like a pig nose and everything. Jin's looking for Wei Shen. He's in a cafeteria. He hears, like, the fighting in the kitchen. Then Wei Shen distracts Pigsy with like a cupcake and then he puts a pot over his head when he tries to eat it. And then he's like riding on his back like a horse, grabs like a, a metal ladle, bangs on the pot or like that. And then um, Jin walks in. He ends up getting hit. He falls back. Uh, Wei Shen kicks him and then Mandarin, he's like, if my father couldn't stop me, you won't either. I'll come home when my quest is complete. Pigsy just dissolves. I guess he returns home. Then he goes to check on Jin who's knocked out on the floor. And that is the end of episode two. So there's a, a lot goes on, but like I said, it's, it's, it's just a, it's a, it's a lot of fun. 
And, and I, I just really, I really feel for, for Jin, like the, the struggle that he's going through and it's just, yeah, it's, it's, so it's a good show. I definitely want to watch the rest. I, I like I said, I'm going to try to, to continue covering this. I just wish they didn't drop all episodes at once, but maybe this is something that Disney is doing now. You know, last week I mentioned that supposedly they're going to drop all episodes of Echo at once. Maybe they're trying to do this because some people like binging. They want want to. So we'll see. So watch American Born Chinese. It, it's it's good stuff. All right. Now the movie feature is Little Mermaid. And because this is a 300th episode, have the return of Sky. <laughs> Hi. So you haven't been on in, in quite a while. So we're, we're in the car in case it sounds a little weird. Uh, so... You you loved Little Mermaid. I loved Little Mermaid. Right, that's actually, my favorite. Uh, growing up. Growing up, yeah. yeah. So we'll talk about the, the movie in a second. So you loved it. I don't know how many times you watched it. I remember you had the little figures. Yeah, I had the the music box like with Ariel oh, and yeah. all the that, yeah. That, so that big display. Yeah. Like, with like the whole thing. scene from Under the Sea, like that was my Disney movie. Okay. That was the best. So. Let's talk first before we get into movie. How do you feel about like the remaking these movies, the live action? Because you know they did, they did. They, have you seen Aladdin, the live action? Yeah, I have. Honestly, like when they first started coming out with all of them, like Cinderella and like Beauty and the Beast. At first, I wasn't like super, super excited just because I loved the original cartoons. And this is like the first one that I've been excited, like super excited for. I think just because I love the movie so much. But like. I've, I've loved all the other live actions and I think it's nice and I know that Disney does it to keep the rights so I'm just glad that the new generation of kids gets to keep seeing the characters and I like that they're making them they're making them have even better morals to show kids you know yeah because in the beginning like I, I haven't seen Lion King yeah because I, I don't think I've seen that one either because I'm looking at you know I, I get it's like okay you're, you're doing live action mm-hmm. you're, you're mixing it up a little bit but something like like Lion King, it's like it's not really live action because it's I know it's, it's all, all CG. <laughs> and even this, I before seeing The Little Mermaid, I was a little hesitant. I was mm-hmm. like, I was like, is Hal Hal Halle Bailey? Mm-hmm. I keep on say it, Halle Berry. Is Halle Bailey like? I mean, how much CG was was in there? I mean, how mm-hmm. much was her? Yeah. And, and you know, motion capture, whatever, and, and all that. But with this one, so okay. So do you feel? You, you, you've said that they add more morals or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you, do you feel there is a purpose it is necessary? Because they could just re-release the old movies. Yeah, or... but I don't know. I think it's it. this movie, it's like it shows that it was made more recently. Just I feel that Ariel was portrayed. She, they gave her more opportunity to show individual strength, I mm-hmm. think. Just a little bit in this movie, which was really nice. Okay, and neither one of us really knew much about... Halle Bailey before Mm-mm. and I've, I've talked about changing of the ethnicity mm-hmm. or whatever so many times and and there is a, a lot of controversy when she was cast There's, and it's, it's always that borderline thing is like is it racism or is it not racism I think that there are definitely people that it just is racism. I mean, mean, yeah, that's clear. Yeah, and some people just want to hide behind saying that it's unnecessary to change it. But I do, like, I do agree with people who will say, like, it is just as important as it is to, like, allow anyone to play any character as it is to 
purposely make sure that we're creating new characters that represent everyone everywhere, you know? But that being said, like, I was not one of those people that had any issue with the casting. I thought, I think she's beautiful. I think that she's a beautiful singer. And she was a beautiful actress in this movie. I haven't seen her act in anything before, but I thought that she was great. So, because like, like my feeling with with, with I mean, I want I want the the live action to look like the original material. And, yeah. I, and I know you can argue like, well, Little Mermaid was before Disney, and you know who knows how far back, back it goes and all that. But if it's based off of the recent or whatever, or mm-hmm. Disney's Little Mermaid, it seems like she should look like that. But it's the same thing, like when you cast in, you know, Iris West, mm-hmm. you know, Candace Patton. She's she's a great actress. Yeah. For the most part. I mean, the writing of the show, that, that's a whole different story, which we're not going to mm-hmm. get into that. But she, but she's super cool and everything. I mean, I, I got to talk to her once, I think, just once. But sometimes it, it feels like studios purposely try to cast. It's one thing, you know, I've always said, if, if you cast... Or if you enter whatever, um, what it was cast, not casting. If you audition, that's it. <laughs> if you audition a hundred people, a thousand people, whatever, and if someone, you know, whatever is the best performer, mm-hmm. then yeah, give it to him. So it's it's weird because I when the, the the casting sheets were either released or leaked, or whatever for Riverdale, and I still remember they specifically said for for Veronica that they wanted to cast a Latina. Mm-hmm. So. To me, that says that they only auditioned Latinas for that role, rather right. than audition anyone. Yeah, I mean, but, but, I, don't under, but, I mean, I guess I don't quite understand how the casting goes. I guess it gets tricky once you're. I mean, I, I don't know. Inclusivity is great, and it's. And, I don't know, and, and, and it is important because you know everything has always been you know, white people, mm-hmm. white dudes. So it is good to have the representation. You know, I, I've seen that, especially like with Miles Morales, you know, there, there's, it opens up to a whole, you know, generational different people. And, and, you know, you always hear like kids or like, like when Black Panther came out, I remember mm-hmm. seeing there's like so many like videos where people were saying like, oh, there's someone that looks like me now. So that, that's mm-hmm. great. I, it's just for me, you know, and I feel like I've said this a million times, that was never, and, and it was never like a thought for me growing up. I never really thought about it. So I'm yeah. not the typical person. That all that being said, or whatever, I guess it wasn't really necessary to talk about that. But like you said, Halle ba- Bailey mm-hmm. did an amazing job, and I, I I thought she did a great performance. She she was Ariel in this. And, and oh my gosh, she she perfectly captured like her her facial movements, like her mannerisms. I felt like that was exactly how like Ariel was animated. Like that's how I viewed the characters, mm-hmm. the way that she was acting it out. Like it was perfect. And and uh, the, so like part of your world. Yeah. Uh, oh, that was good. See, what, and I feel like that's that's like an also a, like a big part of these live action movies. Like they're not exactly the same because all the live action ones. Like I feel like Disney's been just putting like a new style on them. You know, like Cinderella and Belle. Like their dresses have not looked like the original cartoons. Mm-hmm. They look completely different. It's like a revamp. It's like the same basic story, but it's a different style. And and I appreciate everything that they like changed in the style for this one. It yeah, was so, so pretty. I, I liked like so her fin had some like Beautiful, different colors yeah. to it, and it wasn't just yeah. I mean, I the, know, and I end. saw so many people complaining about the CG in this movie, but I don't know. I well, well, I thought that well, she at least looked she looked good. good. I thought sometimes like King Triton when he's sitting on his throne, his lower half 
didn't look it looked a little little thin yeah because yeah. you know he's got the big upper torso and then his lower half wasn't quite and I, it was not even a big deal so I mean yeah and and the, the actor I forget his name I think Javier something he oh. he, he, he was good but his voice wasn't quite as booming as yeah. King Triton but whatever that's fine but going back to uh, Part of Your World mm-hmm. what I, I liked about the song is it was almost identical but there's certain parts where she really the added, emotion you know, and, and she like added a different inflection or, yeah. or and, and as uh, you could tell it was like purposely done and, and, and she did did a, yeah. a great great job with that and you're, you're talking about the whole emotion and, and everything like that like when I mean, you must feel kind of silly, like you know, what's the word, and then you know she has to think about. It. But mm-hmm. she she did it where she, you know she she paused and she had to think about it, and then she figured it out, and so so that was good. Uh, before we we recorded, we were talking about her sisters. Yeah, I did think that they were going to be in it a bit more. I I missed the song, them. The opening song. Yeah, yeah. So introducing we, themselves. We didn't have that, but it, it was also <laughs> funny. Because you, so you talked about like the the mermaids for whatever. I had seen a post saying that all her sisters were going to be of a different race so that they could um, represent just lots of different people so that there could be a mermaid for hopefully everyone. And yeah. But what I what I think about this is, or my question is. Which I maybe you're thinking. Yeah. Did they all have the same mom? I'm or, not, I'm not or, sure how we're going about that in is this. Is King Triton a, like a dog and just going right. around? The line when Ariel said, "Well, I am my mother's daughter." I was thinking, do they? Because it's it's like one thing. Okay, so King Triton, because you can have different daughters looking, you know, different mm-hmm. ethnicities, but it wouldn't make sense if it's the same father and daughter. Yeah. If it's King Triton and several different moms. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Why is well, that? Well, I guess they didn't really explain where the mom is in this one. Like, we know in the original, well, she, she gets killed. They, right? they kind of, I feel like they kind of hinted it a little bit. Yeah. That, that something happened to her. All right, let's 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 pause for a sec. Okay, so they, they did add a little bit to that. Um, actually, let me ask, what did you think of, of, of Prince Eric? I thought, mm, yeah. Was, was he Prince Eric enough? I thought, I, I don't know um, how I feel about it. Yeah, I mean... I mean, it was he was a little bit different. I think just it, it, he was just different in this one. I suppose the, his character. Because when bit, we first but, see him, I'm like, wait, it's like, wait, is that Prince Eric? That doesn't. Yeah, but I don't know. I guess they're trying to show that he in this one he's they're really showing us how much he wants to be a casual explorer. He doesn't really want to be royalty. Well, what I'm getting at, do you, was he good looking enough? To be sure, yes. I thought that he was very charming because honestly, he was so sweet. That is overpowering enough, you know. That's all it takes. He was such a gentleman, and he was just so cute with her. And their relationship was so cute in this in this movie. It really showed. Like I don't know. I've always loved the story because she's she's mute basically, Mm -hmm. you know. So she can't say any of her feelings. She can't express anything. She's also a little. I don't want to say not naive, but she's. I mean, she is naive about the world. She doesn't doesn't understand much about it. Yeah, she she thinks a fork is a a, a brush. Yeah, I don't know. I just think it's like the most cute, like innocent love story. Like just like the perfect love. Like what man is going to be that kind and sweet to this girl who can't even say anything to mm-hmm. him and like he's so patient and kind i just love that it shows like he has a kind heart and he has, he's actually taking interest in her so there was one thing so she couldn't remember 
Was that that wasn't in a movie? Was, was that's that, not that in the original? Too? Okay, so so there, so Ursula is playing dirtier, yeah. and and you know trying to think. You know, we, we don't have to get too into too mm-hmm. full spoils, but there was that. But um, so Prince Eric sings has his, he gets a song that was new. Yeah, I and know. That, that was that kind was of a little little, little yeah, weird. I don't know. But, <laughs> Wasn't expecting that, but I guess. Okay, uh, so I, I mentioned this when we walked out of theater. What did you think of Scuttle? <laughs> Okay, here's the thing. I love Aquafina as a person. I love her so much, but I just I wasn't expecting her to be cast in this role. They gender swap skull. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but like I guess honestly, like because her voice, like I love her voice. I think it's so funny, and she kind of did do a good job transitioning into those squawks Mm. pretty well. But I thought that that was not a seagull, right? Also. Because no, Scuttle is no, supposed to be was, a seagull. Was, yeah, that was a different bird. I don't know what kind and of bird And the bird, I don't know, yeah, different breed of bird. Don't know what kind she was, but... So I, I, I think I've mentioned, I'm not the biggest Aquafina fan. <laughs> but um, the Renfield, the, the Nick Cage movie, mm-hmm. and uh, what's his name, Nick, Nick Nicholas Holt, I really liked her in that. Yeah. So as, as much as I may have, have come down on before, I really liked her in that movie. I didn't realize... It was Aquafina. You did in this. I didn't know who it was. I'm like, who is this? I was, I was like, I'm trying to recognize the voice because first I was thinking because I knew it, was, it wasn't Wanda Sykes. Yeah. Because she she does some a lot of voice acting stuff and and you know she's got that kind of sassy attitude and mm-hmm. stuff you know the way she talks and everything. But I was like, it's not her. I was like, it's got to be someone. And then she, you know she kind of does that song part. So I'm like, is it like maybe it's some. Some singer rapper that I just don't know about since uh, there's so many new people that I- that I wasn't expecting either. I found out about that on TikTok like two days ago. People were like, "Did they really make Alcavita's only musical number a rap?" And I was like, "Yo, is yeah. this real?" So I don't know how I feel about that. Minor things. Well, one thing that was weird. We both kind of looked at each other when <laughs> Scott swoops down and eats a fish. Yeah, right after we're having a conversation with one, because that's always been my thought, you know, because I'm just like, what do the mermaids eat? I mean, they, they could eat. They could serve. They I mean, could, could be vegetarian, seaweed, yeah, and, I suppose. And, but like, I mean, unless there's like lower form. But, like but it's also it's like sharks, like they're afraid of sharks. That shark was going to eat them. So there's a is there a difference in intelligence between the sharks and Flounder, who's her friend? Like my thought was with the shark is like, OK, does this shark not know? That it's chasing, uh, you know, a mermaid. The princess. Who, who's like, even even if she was like a regular mermaid, because, you know, there's got to be regular citizens. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we don't really see many. In the regular, but, you do. But, but it's like, okay, so this is like the king of the sea and you're messing with his people? See, I think it's a difference in intelligence. Maybe, because, you know, maybe sharks just not too smart. I don't think so. But then, okay, this kind of bothered me when, when we first kind of see Scuttle and then Scuttle goes underwater. First of all, I was quite understanding how, how, how the heck? I was like, is this a bird that can hold their breath for longer? Maybe, I don't know. But, like but there Scuttle, are fish, like diving birds, right? Yeah, but, but Scuttle was talking underwater. And I know yeah. you say, well, how can Scuttle talk outside of water? But it's like, how Scuttle is he talking? Scuttle was holding her breath and then But talking. having a conversation and it wasn't, it was like a it long conversation. Muffled, yeah. But then that, that also kind of, Makes made me wonder is like, does Ariel have gills? Because you never see him in a cartoon, and mm-hmm. you know, maybe her hair is just always in, in a way or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's like she's got to have gills if she's underwater. 
But then I think unless, we're just basing it on mermaid magic. Oh uh, yeah, maybe something. I mean, because since she's able to breathe in the instantaneously, air, yeah, for the so first. so maybe. Yeah, maybe there's just something about physiology where she doesn't need gills, but they spend all their time underwater. They're not supposed to go to the surface. But they can, clearly. Yeah. So that that was, I don't know. And then it, and it's weird seeing Flounder. Actually, okay, what do you think of Flounder? Um, Flounder's, uh, like, design. I, guess. I thought that Flounder was mangled at first when I saw the top of the fins until I realized it was meant to be the little, like, the flip. Mm-hmm. Like, his little hair flip. Um, honestly, he wasn't as scary as I was expecting. I kind of thought he was cute. You know, because Flounder's Cause the voice of, was really yeah, great. The voice was good. Flounder's supposed to be kind of brown, huge, yeah. So, so maybe, everyone has been complaining about how he looks flat and smushed. He was but very, yeah. He looks like a realistic fish. That, that's the thing. You, know? you, you, you want to get that realism. Exactly. It wouldn't it look kind of scary if we just had like a puffer face ship fish <laughs> that wasn't a puffer fish. Because he's just way too big in, in the, the cartoon. Yeah, he's huge in the cartoon. And then Sebastian. Sebastian was was Sebastian good. Looked good. I mean, yeah, he looked good. The eyes were a little weird, but, yeah. you know, again, making it a little more animated and realistic. Yeah. And then the, 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 the V Diggs, I didn't know him from the, the Snowpiercer show, which mm-hmm. you haven't watched. And and I didn't realize it was him. I, I think I heard I heard before, but then I must have, like, totally blanked out. And what's interesting is, okay, why does Sebastian speak with, like, a Jamaican accent? And then we see in this movie that it's it like, was, like yeah, they're more much like more it, relevant. It, whether it's Jamaican or Caribbean, I, yeah, I don't know. Because I, I never really thought about the geography of like where the town was based in the original, but I, I was curious about not that. Europe because they're, they're looking at the map, and then he, he mentioned Venezuela, yeah, but then he mentioned some other stuff. He mentioned Europe, and he like pointed across the sea. So. That's where, oh, and she, what, what's the dog's name? Max? Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. Because I thought he said Max. Yeah, the like, dog, no, like by the way, Max. looked perfect, the I must dog. say. He was adorable. And then, so, first of all, which again, the, the whole, I think they, they did, I feel like they fleshed it out a little more, the, the whole boat shipwreck scene. Yeah, it looked great. When, when, that was awesome. When, when Prince Eric falls in water before Ariel saves and all that. So, that was like more intense with the mm-hmm. fire. I, I worry, not, I don't really worry, but not, I think about it. So I, I I wonder if like little kids are gonna get scared by that because there's a lot of fire. I mean it's it's not super long scene, but they, there might be a lot of fire. And then poor poor Max is trapped in the, with the fire, and then then Eric goes and saves, and he tosses him in the water, and you see you see his little legs so swimming, cute. and then. The, oh my goodness, that was so sweet. I so, love that. Go ahead, say it. Okay. Then as Max is swimming to the little rowboat, Ariel comes along and she gives him a little boost and she helps him make it. So yeah. cute. So it was it was cute. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to think if there's anything else because we, we talked a lot. Uh, oh, we haven't talked about Ursula. Ursula, I, yeah, I didn't, I couldn't, I didn't know who was going to be Ursula for the longest time. So you know who, it, who she yeah. is. Yeah. So Melissa McCarthy. Yeah. She and, did so good. Yeah. She looked so good. Her yeah. makeup. It's, it's just hard for me. Tentacles? I, yeah. Because I, I, I find the character annoying, which you're supposed to. So it's hard for me to like. I have always loved Ursula. Because she always, she slays. Like, she she's a villain, but she does it to, like, the best. She's so grandiose and, like, mm-hmm. everything's over the top. Like, how can you not just get so enthralled by her? She And Melissa McCarthy was amazing yeah. like i was that her really singing because that was so good yeah i don't know i mean let's say like auto-tune or <laughs> i mean like, maybe but how do you do that 
So, um, which we won't spoil this, but they do. Cause I, I thought I heard something that they're giving her a little more motivation and we do learn something about her that's different from the original movie. That's just kind of weird, but yeah, okay, I, whatever. yeah, it made me feel a little weird. I mean, one is like, wait, how, what, how? but okay, yeah. whatever, who, who knows? I mean, there could be other things in, involved. Yeah. Um, there's a the scene at the end, which we I guess I don't know mm-hmm. if that's a spoiler. Or, I think that is a okay, spoiler. So we won't get into that. But when you when you watch the movie, because people should see the movie. Yeah, right? people okay. should go see the movie. We'll, we'll talk more about that. Um, so there's a scene at the end, which is a little weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can I was like trying not to laugh, but whatever. Yeah. That, I mean, it makes it makes sense. Yeah. For what what it's the, high, the message you're, you're trying to do, so yeah. that, that was fine. Okay, so I think we've covered pretty much. The majority of the movie. I don't know if there's anything because we talked about the characters and and yeah, I don't think we, it was just it was weird that her sisters, like you said, that, that they didn't play a bigger role. Yeah, I just I don't know for the hype that they were getting. I thought we were going to see them a little more. Yeah. So overall, people should see this. Yes. And I mean, definitely, if you watched original and if you liked the original or if you have kids or whatever. You should definitely see it. Mm-hmm. And I am 100% on board with Halle Bailey as Ariel. I thought she did a great job. And and just, you know, she sounded, you know, perfect. Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, I already mentioned it, that how she changed stuff. Yeah, she I, I thought that was really good. well. Because they, they could have easily just, let's just try to, you know, copy. Because at first, mm-hmm. when, when it started off with the music, I'm yeah. like, like well, which, well, of, of course you're going to use the music. It's an iconic song, yeah. you know? But it's like... But part of me is, it's like, okay, you're using the iconic music. So people are going to have that nostalgia. And so Mm -hmm. that's going to, it's almost like you're trying to trick people to like it more. So I was was a little worried when opening. I was like, this is just a little mermaid music and everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) She did do the the whole rock scene. Yeah. (laughs) But my question is, okay, when she's singing that part and she knows the crescendo is coming. How did she time it perfectly for the, the, the splash of waves? Well, how did just, she do it in it, the original? That's the same, same thing. Is it just luck? Or is it maybe the sea gods are like, okay, let's, let's give her this, this wave Messing here. with her. Like, that, that was, right, that was give funny. her a little confidence boost. Because I, I, I remember seeing something like, I don't remember what it was, like someone like trying to, I don't know if it was like a trend, like trying to mimic the, the, the pose or mm-hmm. whatever. And so. You just have to like stay up there for yeah. a while and wait for a wave. I guess. But, but the way she does, she actually, I mean, if you're taking a picture, yeah. yeah. But if you're doing a video, you have to move up. Yeah. But anyways, <laughs> so people should see it. And uh, if anyone is like anti whatever, then just don't see it because yeah. it's just stupid when people you know, get mad about little mm-hmm. things like that. So she did a great job and even though I, you know, I joked about Scuttle being gender swapped, whatever, because otherwise, then it's mostly a male cast. Mm-hmm. So you know, yeah, let's have you know more equality and everything. Um, but yeah, I guess I don't know if there's anything else to say about it. I think everyone did a really great job. Everyone performed well, mm-hmm. and everyone looked good. Everyone sounded good. Yeah. And yeah, I thought it had a good ending. Yeah. All right, so uh, th- I guess that's all we have to say. So you should see Little Mermaid. It- it's worth seeing. I was a little hesitant. I'm like, okay, this is a 300th episode, and I'm doing Little Mermaid. Mm-hmm. But it, w- it was good, so I'm glad. and I'm glad yeah. we got to see it together. Yeah. Because it made me think of all the times we watched it and all the times we played with your little figures. I know, and I was... Oh, 
Yeah, you just have to go see it. You, it's so good. I don't want to spoil anything. Just go see it. <laughs> okay, so that's all we have to say about it. And on that note, that is going to be the end of the 300th episode. So big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck. Um, 30, okay, 30 minutes of additional podcast entertainment every single week. And I've been talking about John Burns, Fantastic Four run from the mid 80s. I really, I think, I'm not really sure what I'm going to do this week. I think I may put a pause on that. I do want to read the next issue, but I might do a movie this week. We'll, we'll see. So you'll have to tune in and find out. Or if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash heck, and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or two. That is ko-fi.com slash heck. All right, so what is going to happen next week? Next week is Spider-Man Across the Multiverse, which uh, early reviews, uh, people are loving it, of course. And um, so there's going to be no Flash. I think we're going to have another Superman and Lois. And I'm going to try my best to do two more episodes of American Born Chinese. And I'm so I didn't get to two episodes of Silo just because it was a crazy week. So I will try to do episodes so what four and five next week we'll see if i can do that we'll see uh it's things are so crazy but you don't need to hear it so anyways so thank you for listening thank you um for your support and everything i hope you are doing well go see the little mermaid it is it is really good it's really cute so make sure you're having a good time do some fun things and remember be good to each other <laughs>